Hey guys, it's Celeste with another important message for you. I know you're probably sick of these. You want to get to the story, but I'm sorry. It's important. Bear with me. So for anybody who doesn't know, Unethical Podcast was actually created because of COVID. I made this podcast because I lost my job with COVID and I wanted something to do and I decided, why not try podcasting? I've enjoyed podcasts for a long time. I might be good at it. Um, I still don't know if I am, but I really enjoyed doing it very much. But another thing you might not know is that I actually do all of the editing for an ethical podcast in addition to private dicks on Patreon, plus our Patreon bonus episodes, all of the editing, and a significant portion of the writing. You may have noticed we've been moving away from that lately. We've had more of the other hosts taking point on their own extremely great episodes. And that is because of things that are changing with me. And so because of the climate of COVID, it is time for me, out of necessity, to return to work full time. And so I will not have the time to bring you all the content that we've been bringing you at the rate that we've been bringing it to you, at the quality that we've been bringing it to you anymore. So from now at least for the next few weeks, we are going to be no longer releasing episodes on Saturdays. So we will only be releasing public episodes on Wednesdays and uh, nothing is going to change with our Patreon. We will be releasing once every two weeks a Patreon bonus episode, once every two weeks a private dicks episode. That's not going to change, but publicly we need to ramp down a little bit. Um, and that's for the next few weeks. In in another few weeks, we may have to reevaluate and ramp down our schedule even further. And we do apologize for that. And we, I promise you, it's not something we want to do. We love doing this. We love bringing you content. It is just the necessity of the situation when all of the hosts are going to be working full time. Uh, so if you would like to contribute to maintaining the schedule that we have now, you could consider joining our Patreon. Um, for $5 a month, you get early access of all of our episodes, and you also will get um, the Patreon bonus episodes at that tier. At the $10 tier, we have the unedited videos of all our episodes. We have private dicks in addition to all of the same things as the $5 tier. And uh, we also post some additional bonus content on there. You can check it out if you're, if you're so inclined. Uh, another thing that you could consider doing is donating to us through Ko-Fi. So that's ko-fi.com forward slash unethical podcast to um, help us continue to maintain our schedule. But of course, that is not an expectation. We appreciate you regardless just for enjoying our content. I'm so grateful that you guys rate and review and enjoy and come and talk to us on Facebook. It's been so much fun having this opportunity with you guys. And I want to keep it going. And we, we're going to do our best to keep it going. But we want to maintain our quality. And that unfortunately just means we're going to have to ramp down a little bit. So if you're so kind as to stick with us, even though we're not going to be so fresh on your feeds all the time, we're very grateful to you for that. As always, we are looking for guests. So if you'd like to come on the show, please find us on Facebook or send me an email at unethicalcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We love talking to you and hanging out with you. It's very casual. It's a lot of fun 
come and do that with us if you're if you're interested. Um, also, as always, come find us on Facebook. We love to have conversations with you and interact with you on the group. But that's it. That's my message for today. So please enjoy this double extra large episode of Unethical Podcast with our very cool guest. Um, if you would like to get in contact with him, if you're perhaps local to the Vancouver area or you'd like to have him on your own podcast, for example, you can come find one of the hosts on Facebook and we can set you up with him. I hope you enjoy the episode. I hope you make it through the episode. I honestly don't think you'll be able to turn it off. It is riveting. As always, keep those bushes huge. Here we go. Welcome to Unethical Podcast. So yeah, this is Mike. So nice. hey. What's up? What's up? Mikel. Michelangelo. I actually, true story. My parents named me Michelangelo only because they wanted me to get beat up all my life. And, <laughs> and, and it happened. And it happened, dude. It happens. What made me do steroids when I was like 17. Oh, good. And I fucking got every single one of those bullies back. I got every single one. <laughs> I gained a hundred pounds. <laughs> there's a chalkboard <laughs> behind him one left and richard if you tease me about my nards you will be on this list okay i'll leave your nards out of it dude okay. it's funny richard it's funny you should say that because there <laughs> is one gentleman left and he's been running oh i know he's been running right i know never running out of money though but i'm grown up now i'm grown up now did they tell you we wanted you to get beat up all the time? Or is this what you think? Like they literally told you that Dude, it was, it was horrible. It was the eighties, eighties. It, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't time to have names like Apple and eight. You know what I mean? It wasn't that time. And Michelangelo was bad. So the kids would just bug me. So I had to cut it down and I changed my name about didn't four, five times. How old are you? I'm 45. Richard, that's a rude question. <laughs> no, it isn't. If people, why do people care? If people care, I'm sorry, my fault. I asked you how old he was. I was going to say, I, th I thought you were in like Ninja Turtle mode. You know what I mean? Michelangelo, if you were like five years younger, you would have been the coolest kid in the fucking playground. They would have been looking like, where's Leonardo? Yeah. Where's Donatello? April O'Neil, nice yellow jacket. But no, you got fucked, dude. It sorry. sounds like you had the wrong group of friends because I'm all about Ninja Turtles, Star Wars. Oh, yeah. And and famous painters. What the fuck? Yeah. I'm famous artists. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? I guess. Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> right? If nah. listen, right now, if if I was my if I was anything smart, I would change my name back. But then I would just feel like even double schmuck because now I'm trying to come back, trying to come back to the name I tried. I tried to change. Okay, <laughs> just leave it. Don't ever change your name, not even if you get married. It's such bullshit. No, I think it's all bullshit. I just got back off the road. Uh, I was fucking driving around all day today. I go around and do uh. Uh, mushrooms with housewives and fucking help, and help them through uh, trauma and shit like that. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. So I go around and, and collect stories all day and then I come back and it's like, fuck, it's hilarious. I have to have two drinks. Yeah, it's cool. And then I do, uh, I'm a wedding entertainer on the weekends. 
Yeah, dude, fuck, go out and make people laugh, make white people laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so you're all set up with a, a mic, a mic mic. What's up? You don't you don't make a podcast of your own. You just I do. I've got uh, six of them. What? Yeah, for sure. We uh, so we I've got a, I'm starting like an umbrella of them of a bunch of guys uh, and I'm like finding people are pretty good and that are like at the end of their rope. You know what I mean? They have some talent and don't know it. And I'm producing them. Right. Because I think that they should they should do this, you know, and we should do it on a consistent basis. And, you know, some a couple of them are doing it for mental health. Another one is doing it to like really change their life and fuck, just got to work at something. Right. And get good at good. Get good at it. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So we're looking to produce like 20 different podcasts, different people, guys, girls, everybody in Vancouver here, because I don't know if you know Vancouver, but there's nothing going on in Vancouver. People always come here for the sun and all that shit, but there's nothing happening here. Nothing fun. Well, there's the aquarium. Okay. One is Vancouver really the devil worshiping capital of the world no victoria victoria is the wor- devil worshiping capital or my hometown no shit no my hometown straight up that's uh it is the devil worshiping capital of the world uh underground uh tunnels uh they've got everything man. they've got a lot of uh satan worshipers there. actually my ex-girlfriend the, the the drug lord i was telling you about celeste she her housekeeper was like a bishop of the underground he's like he would come in like all white-faced cleaning the house whoo like floating around like a fucking ghost right and he would be like the high bishop of this cult later so daytime you know he's cleaning in the house and then nighttime he's cleaning you know blood and veins and stuff i don't know i don't know whatever they're cleaning right whatever they're doing at night no fucking way yes choose a fucking story yeah, dude. So that was that was victorious. So you just kind of rolled around there. Everybody was around there and they knew about it. And everyone's had like a, you know, a little run in with something satanic over there. It's, it's now how far north of that is, from the American border is it? Uh, we're actually below the American border. We're on Vancouver Island. So we're we're actually below okay, it. OK, OK, OK. Yeah, Have I mean, you been to Point Roberts, Washington? Uh, no, I'm not allowed to cross the border. Okay. Legally, so, legally. Yeah, yeah. Tally yeah. too. Tally yeah. is not. And I went to a Wendy's and they had gravy on their French fries, poutine. I'd never seen anything like that. See, what's great about Vancouver, it's food town, right? So you come to Vancouver and you have poutine, but you have like the refugees from back east who escape Quebec and come out to Vancouver to live the Anglo-Saxon life. You know what I mean? And they come out here and they create some new type of poutine. You know what I mean? And it's just got weird shit on it, man. Like Vancouverish shit, like tofu poutine, like just weird stuff. As an Aussie, I could not eat anything called poutine because it sounds way too much like something else. Okay. Shut up, Richard. Yes, that's, I'm a lesbian and I that's a eat plus. poutine. I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say that's a plus. I don't know why. Look, the person that I got one of the best poutines ever in my life from was Australian. She was Australian. And she served me up some of the juiciest, most cheesiest, most delicious poutine I've ever tasted in my life. Did she say, hey, mate, would you like to go down under? She said, yes, would you like some extra gravy? And I'm like, oh, say that one more fucking time right now. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna order another routine. Oh, Celeste, where did you find this guy? He's making me 
You're making me blush. Nice. You're making me blush. No one ever does that. <laughs> you would never suspect that Christy is the kinkiest of all of us. Never. Never. It's so funny. <laughs> you guys have met my wife. Come on. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Jesus, I mean, you're over here. You're, I'm blushing. You know, you're like, would you like me to go? What was it? The thing that we didn't know. Flogger. What, a, a, flog, what, a flogger? Was that it? Flogger. Yeah. It's like, oh, would you like me to grab mine? <laughs> it was like the first time I ever learned of a flashlight. Oh, I don't have one of them. I don't have one of them. Just why would you have one of them? <laughs> well, because I thought they said flashlight. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing with a flashlight? Dude, you guys should see what they make in prison for sex toys. It's crazy. You'll blow your mind. I would I would listen to a podcast just on that. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you about it. This the most common one is the one that I called the Fifi 2000. Okay. I'm ready. All right. I'm and not. this is no this and it it became an issue for one guy. And that was it. Like this was the only time I saw it. But this was an ingenious advice a uh, 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 little piece of machinery that that people made in there. And so what they would do is they would take a prison issue towel, which is a towel. It's about three feet in length by about 18 inches. 80 grit sandpaper. Yeah. It's like any gritty sandpaper, but that doesn't matter. Oh, that's good for grip at some point. So you don't have to worry about that. So what you do is you fold it in half. So it's at a six to eight inch fold. Very important. Very important. Then what you do is you unravel a condom and you unravel it to its full length and you lie it down across the length of the towel. Wait, right. why is why does prison give you condoms? Because in prison, there is a lot of romance. So they just acknowledge it and they're like, OK, well, it's easy. It's better to do it to give free condoms than it is to treat them all for fucking yeah. STDs and all of that. Exactly. Be, it would be cheaper. Yeah, and when you put a bunch of people in the same goddamn clothing and make them a little tiny community, yeah, what do you think is going to happen? I did not know our uh, our Department of Corrections was that forward thinking. Honestly, <laughs> he was at the best fucking part. Shut up, go. Oh, okay. Are you writing it down? Okay. <laughs> okay. Which is writing it down. Be with them pencils. This is the important part. When you pull the condom fully out, you have to tie some dental floss on the tip of it and really secure it, right? <laughs> so it's really tight, okay? So right at the tip, okay? Just the tip, just the tip, right? And then, and so then you let it string out and let it dangle down. Then you take the towel and you roll it, okay? You roll it with the condom in the middle of the towel and you roll it tighter okay. or looser, however you prefer it, right? It's important. It's, your preference then you roll it mm -hmm. and then what you do is once it's in like a tube shape right you take the end of the condom and then you fold it down over the edge of i get you of the towel sleeving it sleeving it you sleeve it right and then you take the um the dental floss and then you kind of wrap it around so it becomes a boom solid boom going to battle with this thing you know what i mean like ah oh, there they are <laughs> You know, crosses <laughs> the field, right? Like, there they are, get them, right? Then you have that, and then you just put the lubrication or whatever you want inside there, and jelly. You know, lockdown, lockdowns, lockdown, lock inmates. You know what I mean? You play, you play your game. Now, some people took it to the next level, put it in a mattress, got a big, you know, 
that's a little bit of booty or something like i don't know it got a little weird for one guy uh and so you know they they came down on the lube they stopped giving out so much lube and, and afterwards you had to go and uh you had to go and ask for the lube so it got it got a little bit got a little bit lonely that's tough stuff word brah hey I, dude's gotta fuck you know hey, you gotta fuck I got I got the patent pending and it's uh, just pre-production. Can we add that to the? Merch it's just store gonna or? be available just straight in commissary. You don't have to make it anymore. You don't have to make it anymore. <laughs> now there's literally no excuse for rape. Like no. there, you can find any household items. Yeah, they weren't raping. Be- they weren't raping because they. That's not why they were raping. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> There's no rape in prison ever. It's never. Ever. I'm drilling a fucking lube well in a football field in Leroy, New York. <laughs> um, That's a good little start to this podcast talking about uh, sex toys in prison. That's it's good. It's my type of podcast. I like that. I never I've never been to prison. So that's fascinating. Thank you. Nothing unusual for us, man. It's a cure for loneliness. Only imagine. I think I just jerk off. <laughs> you ever stuff a wiffle ball bat up your ass and jump on a trampoline? Sure. Yeah. All the time. It helps if you have a bran muffin first. Bran muffin. <laughs> and no opioids. Definitely no opioids. I, I've got a reputation for that, and I'm not an opioid kind of guy. You have a reputation for what? Which part of that? Constipated <laughs> on opioids. Okay, cool. <laughs> what? What? What did you say? Supper's ready. Someone yelled supper's ready or something. No, no. My son said, are you causing problems already? Uh, (laughs) I heard the bombs are ready. And I was like, me too. (laughs) Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City. (laughs) I just laugh because I'm like, dude, I was like, I know bombers. It's so funny when you you act like that. (laughs) I I did time with the guy who did the Indian uh, air the the Get indian the air army yeah fuck yeah man indigit riot yeah fuck yeah we were we were friends we talked we fucking hung out yeah he's a he's a trippy guy man trippy guy wow that's great yeah not like they make in the news but you know <laughs> why are you in jail with this guy what did you do dude <laughs> yeah that's a rude question richard i don't give a fuck i'm first a- you ask me my age <laughs> I'm 45, okay? Fuck! I thought I said it already. Okay, so you guys, I'll tell you what, man. Just so you guys understand, like, no, you can ask me anything. I, I actually really like your podcast. You guys will fucking ask me anything. Just give it to me. Just ask me. Settle down, Fifi. I'm the guy. I just told you about the Fifi, <laughs> which I might say I never used. I never used the Fifi. I only knew how to make it to perfection. How would you know it's perfect unless you tried it? Oh, right. Customer feedback. Good call. Good call. Good call. call. Five star reviews. Listen, I only put my fingers inside of it. I don't want to be rude. Okay, Brock Turner. (laughs) (laughs) But I just, you know, uh, uh, I went to prison for drugs. Holla. Yeah, I I, I smuggled drugs out of of, uh, Mexico and fucking Belize. And I got away with it for a long time until I got caught. And I got caught in Mexico. Yeah. I did I did three years in there. And then I did like seven years. In Mexico. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. I did three years there. So I'm still drinking it. 
<laughs> You're kind of my hero. Still living the dream. Still living the dream. Baby. He was in prison in Mexico for three years and he still drinks their beer. So oh, yeah. it mustn't have been too bad. No, it wasn't that bad. It was worse in Canada. Fuck. In the States. Right? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Way worse. Yeah. Uh, you got the whole continent wrapped up. Oh, yeah. I got five. I, I have five countries. Five countries. Fucking right on, man. <laughs> yeah, it's funny funny but it's well, an old life right yeah it's an old life it's uh it's an interesting life you know what i mean i was a i was a risk taker my whole life and mm-hmm. it still is that way to this day i take risks you know mushrooms and shit are legal here and they're not thinking it but i know that they cure people so fuck it i go out and, and do it and help them right you have you have to do it. i'm a re- i'm born a rebel always going to be a rebel fuck, i'm just not going to try and go to jail this time that's it that's like yeah. <laughs> That's the X factor. The X factor. Mm. Yeah. Hey, don't go to jail. Totally, man. Yeah, there's so much research now with depression and stuff with microdosing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like it's it's not surgery. My buddy's like an ex addict who is in mental health now, right? My other friend's an ex addict who's in mental health now, right? And me, uh, I'm I'm just a guy. I'm a criminal that suffered lots of trauma in life, right? And just you know, so that's just we're just three guys going out there and doing this. So it's it's really crazy, actually. And using like circle of truth, like we do like a thing where we get a bunch of people and there's two chairs and then I get someone out of the group. They come into the audience and they reveal everything about themselves to people wow. and make themselves super vulnerable in a moment where they're and you know, not hallucinating, but they're under, you know, about a gram, gram and a half. Right. And you you need them there. You need them to consciously see that it's OK that the people around you aren't judging you, man. They're not judging you. They're with you. So if I, I really want to pay a hundred dollars Canadian to see the foot picks, right? Yeah. Is that I'm supposed to admit for that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, you have no idea what I've heard. Dude, feet is the, the, the minor. It's minor. It's a footnote. It's a footnote in the uh, shit that I've heard. Right? right. So you go to the park and you just say, "Hey." I mean, you got like a sign, or you just start whispering to people. I was thinking about doing like lemonade stand style, right? They're sitting there with yeah, the lemonade, microdose yeah. stand. Right? Do a couple but, of the letters backward. Yeah. Yeah, it would be way less uh-huh. like culty feeling. Culty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's no coming to the bush after. Like, yeah, I go down. Well, sometimes we do. That. I take some of my clients in the bush and like say, go hug a tree, right? And they go and hug a tree. But, uh, but yeah, there's not. I would do that. that without you telling me to, just for the record. Wow, that's weird. <laughs> it's weird, buddy. It's but it's you know what? It's one of these things that are like this is really truly the future of anything. It's just getting over anything in life is not sweeping it under the rug anymore, right? When did you start doing this? Uh, about three years ago. Three years ago. No kidding. Yeah, I had a mental breakdown. I was a, du- a DJ. I was like, just, fuck, I was losing it, man. I was working bars and stuff and just drinking, doing a lot of drugs and and just not treating myself right. And uh, and I just had a serious mental breakdown and started wondering why I didn't do a bunch of things. I was just forcing myself into an area that I wasn't supposed to be mentally, right? And yeah, forcing myself into try to be something I wasn't and it was just really hard and and it got the worst of me so I did I did eight grams of mushrooms and locked myself in my bedroom in the dark like I like I read it online and did it and wow. then honestly dude it came two weeks after I did that it, it just snapped I was typing and then it just went <laughs> that was it and my 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 brain just clicked and I was like wow. dude like literally if this could happen to me it can happen to anybody 
Yeah, it's crazy. So I mean, foot fetish, dude. No, that's like we're talking blow up sheep. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> right? right? Oh yeah, that's 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 the easy foot. That's the easy part of the body. <laughs> yeah, it's just always a positive to getting inebriated. That is that is the tagline. The tagline of unethical podcasts. <laughs> we don't get frostbite. Yeah. And I like the way you're uh, addressing it to the public there, Mike. You're a hell of an ambassador for that. Well, I'm trying to do it for free. So I go and do it for free to people. Like, fuck it. Like, just just fix yourself, right? It doesn't matter. I did it. I was the worst going. Did 15 years of my 45 years alive in prison. I was career criminal, man, and wasn't going anywhere. And, and it was one of those things. You, you have to, like, be honest. You know what I did? Mine was hard. I was a compulsive liar. So I, I made a deal with myself that whenever I lied, I would stop and tell someone that I lied to them. All right. So boo, 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 here's Mike, idiot, rock around, telling stories. And then I'd lie and I'd say, fuck, hey, I got to stop. I lied. I didn't that didn't happen. Or I didn't that didn't happen like that kind of right. Wow. Instant yeah. karma. Yeah. I just, oh, I, wow. I, re I realized that it was that hard work, that shit I had to do. And I did that in jail. That was like, that was before the mushrooms, but that was part of the beginning was in jail. Like I saved some dude's life in jail is what happened. And he was, he had a hit out on him and he was my next door neighbor and my friend and some guys came for him and I jumped in there and fucking disarmed them and fucking saved his life. Right. And uh, we went to the hole. He ended up going to protective custody in another prison and they wanted to send me, but I was like, no, like, dude, I'm a career criminal. Like, I'm not scared. I'm going back to the jail. And they're like, okay, well, you know, if anything happens, we're going to take you out. So I walk back and I'm like walking back with my bedroll, just like you see on TV when they're like walking with the, their bedroll and shit. And there's all the people <laughs> in the bars, right? And nobody's looking at me. Everyone looks away and they're like not talking to me. My friends, nobody talked to me. I go back to my cell and there's like this giant hit out on me now because I saved the guy's life. And it was just a nightmare. And that's when I realized like, okay, I'm not, I'm not of this world anymore. Like, this is it. Like I got, I'm going to, I'm going to die here. I'm going to get killed. Uh, and so then that's when I started doing all these fucking massive changes. I did this huge thing of E like uh, I was trying to fit in again in jail. So I did this big night of E and it was really weird. Cause in prison, it's all dudes. So everyone's high on <laughs> E and they're dancing in the thing with the speakers shirts off, just like boom, sweating up a storm, boom, 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 just <laughs> dancing. It's super, super awkward. All right. Cause a bunch of alphas in this thing. Right. And the next day it's like, nothing happened. They're like, yeah, back to stabbing people. Right. And like taking crap dinner <laughs> and stuff. Rah, right. They're all back at it. But, yeah, dude. But you learn. And after that big hit of E, I was like, holy shit, I need to like do something with my life. And so I had to <laughs> I had to sleep with a knife under my pillow for like six months and get up Jesus. every morning at 6 a.m., shut my door or go out. And it was just it was hell, man, for six months. Like the prison wanted to kill me, but I was a little bit protected. You know, it was like a whole issue is it, it was crazy. But that was the thing that changed my life. And then I. Then I realized when I got it back, I had to stop lying. And that was it, dude. Mm. Once you find out what your true issue is, what you're like, the thing that really does it, what is makes you who you are, then you attack it. You don't walk away from it. You attack it, right? And mine was I lied because of abandonment issues. Dude, fuck. I was abandoned as a kid. You know what I mean? So I was like, I, I still hated it. So I had to come to grips with it. Mushrooms did it. Boom. And that's it. You just, you get, you get on with life. 
and it's a good feeling. Wow. Awesome. Just do mushrooms. Don't be scared. Just do them. <laughs> you don't need me. Just do them. If you need them, okay. I'll mail them to you. Just email me or text yeah. me. We've got a little a little um, town about 45 minutes to an hour just away from, from where I live. And um, there's a season, like they mushrooms grow wild there. So there's a season, everyone. It's it's absolutely illegal to pick them. Like it's illegal to pick them. It's illegal to take them in Australia and stuff. But every um every season, there's like all of a sudden every place in bailing up is booked out, and it's <laughs> because everyone goes down there to pick all the mushrooms. My best friend's dad had a horse farm, so we were pretty uh, fortunate. Right out of the poop. Yep, that's pretty gross. I mean, you absolutely want to wash and dry them. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. It seems you like can't it. just go picking and eating because you will probably end up with some sort of disease and die. But you'll be high. But you'll be high. Yeah. It won't be you'll so bad. You'll enjoy yourself as you die. <laughs> yeah. It won't be so bad. Uh, so, because we have a very interesting guest. So, this episode's going to be a little bit different. Um, we're going to do a case study, but it's going to be sort of a side note, a very sort of small case study. And we're going to talk to Mike a bit. Really, this is going to be more interview style so that we can talk to Mike because he's got a very interesting story. Thanks. Welcome, Mike. Appreciate that. Michelangelo. Thanks. That's so cool. I like you guys' podcast. Thanks. I only, I only listen to one sports podcast in your podcast. Oh, huh. thank you. That's super nice. Yeah, it's think it's so awesome. It's so real. It's awesome. And first time I ever heard uh, the grandma lick the C word uh, ever on the podcast. So I can't even say it. I was, I was like amazed. Please do say it. Do it. Say it. Be no, no, I can't, I can't. Be honest with yourself. It's look inside yourself. How about I slide it in? How about I slide <laughs> it in? All right. So, Nonchalant. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will. it's just gonna be at the worst time we're like oh good supper time cunt we're like what whoa that wasn't the time <laughs> wasn't ready. that wasn't the time <laughs> it's too much too soon from coming from italian family like that was a pretty big deal but my mom was black which is really weird so my mom was black and my dad was italian yeah amazing yeah yeah so i got this weird italian name i grew up italian but i grew up with like a black mom right so it was kind of undercover brother of my whole life <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so did you grow up in italian communities or black communities no i grew up in prison i actually uh yeah <laughs> okay it was bad here yeah i grew up in prison no no and you guys i don't want to like bring damper and shit and i i you know i i got a really crazy story all right and i gotta tell you that like and i don't want to bring any kind of like damper or sadness to you but when i tell you anything dude i'm over it and and it's like it sounds harsh but you just get through things right in sure. life and, and you know Absolutely. i was in a, my parents put me in a mental hospital when i was 10. I was there for about wow. 16 months because, yeah, they thought I was crazy, right? They thought I had some real serious uh, issues, right? But it wasn't. All it was was they didn't know about attention deficit disorder back then. Yeah. You know, they didn't. They were just diagnosing kids in, at that time. And they were, like, giving kids medication and shit. And they were, like, just try this and try that. You know, that, that was the 80s, right? And so yeah. they didn't understand. So I went through this whole crazy life uh, kind of process. And, 
you just you're thankful for it at some time you know what i mean like you get thankful for for experiencing life in a different way you know mm-hmm. from all the things you learn yeah. where you can connect with people you know what i mean you can connect with people at totally different levels right yeah. yeah did you listen to our italian episode no which at what number is that 27 i think i, I think it's 27 that is yeah 27 yep. richard's on the ball yeah it's a good one take a, take a listen or, uh, maybe it's not i don't know maybe you'll be offended it's just <laughs> <laughs> one straight hour making fun of Italians. So. Dude. so check this out. So I'm a wedding entertainer and I, I that's what I got into. So I got out of prison and I was like, what am I going to do? I don't want to go back to jail. I got to do some kind of job. And so I got into car- selling cars like any good uh, criminal would do. Get into stealing cars. Right. And then uh, and then I was like, oh, man, what else am I going to do? I want to entertain people. Right. So because in jail, the warden used to get me out of my cell once a year to entertain at his parties so he'd get me to go down there and MC, and i would tell jokes and i just kind of run the thing give away awards and just make it a lot of fun and i'd get a dinner like a steak dinner or whatever it was and so i'm like dude i'm gonna do this when i get out this is what i'm gonna do so i started start searching and i ended up working for this game show company and uh and started doing that and you know what at weddings it's great italian weddings we dress we find the non-italians Right, dress them up like Mario and Luigi, and get them to sing uh, "That's Amore." And you know what? Italians love it. They love it. Any, I'm telling you, any culture. Well, I've what I've learned about weddings is that any culture loves when you acknowledge their culture. So when you make white people yeah. do their shit, they love that, right? Because then they're like, yeah, you know, they, they're gonna fuck this up, right? And the, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. So as long as you got good uh, outgoing white people at any wedding, you can make them do anything. anything. As a white person, I've never met a nice outgoing white person. Yeah, white people are deeply flawed. They're all two dimensional on popsicle sticks as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm white. I thought I was layered. I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so white. <laughs> I don't want to be on a popsicle stick. Uh, it's just great. It's like the only culture that like will do things for booze. You know what I mean? Like we'll do right. It's the only culture that will do things for a shot of booze. It's like you're gonna yeah. do it. Awesome. This is good for me. If it's if it's good for you, shots. Yeah, let's do it. Right. What do I got to do? It's it's true. It is a trigger word for all white people. Shots. Amazing. That's all you gotta say. Mm-hmm. Amazing. That's why little John will live forever at weddings. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, y'all. All All right. So what is our story tonight? Okay. So we're going to. Are you going to blend it in with something else? You? Oh, okay. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like I said, it's going to be a sort of a small one. We're going to talk about the only female dangerous offender in Canada. Ooh, I bet I can guess who it is. Celeste. <laughs> okay, wait. There's only one female dangerous offender in Canada. There's only one left. Oh, one at the left. moment. Yep. Huh. Yep. So, does anybody know what a dangerous offender label actually means? Violent. Ah, Mike looks around. Nope, not me. Definitely not over here. Someone that is too dangerous to be released ever. Too dangerous to be released indefinitely. so it's not like it's not a life sentence it's we'll keep you in here until we feel like letting you out okay 
at which time you're okay. at which time the label's overturned. You have to go to trial to have it overturned. Yeah, it's bad. And huh. when you get it, it's because you've been in too many times. <laughs> right? It's because you keep getting caught and they're like, fuck, we just keep fucking spending money bringing you in. It's cheaper just to keep you in. But can you get it from being just like super heinous? You know, like just oh, yeah. outrageous, like cutting fingers off and shit. Like yeah. those are all new crimes. Yeah. They have to keep retrying yeah. you every time yeah. you do it. Yeah. And yeah. they're all new crimes, even if you do them behind bars. Yeah. I gotcha. Oh. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was a guy who uh man, I just I know where I get all these gory stories. I don't mean to tell these, but <laughs> we want them. All right. So Dude, you were in prison for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for a long time. <laughs> So there's this one guy that there was a riot in half of the prison. It was the other side of the prison where we were. And this was just before I got there. So I got there and we were just, they were just coming out of this thing. And one of the inmates chopped the head off the guard and was playing soccer with it down the breezeway, a little fenced area. And boom, 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 he's playing soccer with it. Boom. Dangerous offender. That is dangerous offender right there. That was automatic. Yeah, I bet. Dangerous offender. Yeah. He never got is out. Is that again. in Mexico? No, that was in Vancouver. No, that was in Canada. Yeah, you would you want it to be in Mexico. You can look that up online. <laughs> yeah. the story, yeah. Wow. Holy shit. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Mexico, it's crazy. Everyone's dangerous. My the jail I was in was like five thousand people. It was crazy. And twenty uh there is no wait, there is five thousand people and like fifteen hundred were women. Yeah, about 1,500 women in there. Wow. Mexicans are built sturdy, though, man. You kind of head off a Mexican, they still show up to work duty the next yeah. day. <laughs> yes. yes. I was going to say, I'm just picturing the Mexican prison being full of um, Danny Trejos. <laughs> Fucking love him. <laughs> yes. It was like, uh, what's that? So American Me. Remember that? I don't know if you remember that movie, American Me, back in the day. Like, all just gnarly or like, yeah, it was crazy. It, it and, and the thing is, is like, if... If they spoke English, they want to come and talk to you and practice their English, right? So um, it was like, I'd be like, guy be searching me out, searching me, just trying to track me down for days inside of a prison just to be like, hey, hello. Hey, how are you? <laughs> huh? Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, fuck you, motherfucker. Hey, ah, right? Like, it would be one of those things. <laughs> Dude, what? And just to practice English. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Like, and it's crazy. And then there would be like guys and their gang members. Like I almost got, like, I almost got, I don't know, raped or something. I don't know. These guys was like, Hey man, you want to smoke a joint? I'm like, Holy fuck. You speak English. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, let's go. And then, and as I'm walking through this unit, I was like walking through these blankets. Cause you wash your oh. blankets by hand and then hang them. And I'm walking through these blankets and he's like, come on, come on. And I'm like, <gasps> I don't know. This felt like a scene from a movie or something. It was really yeah, like better call Saul. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, um, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm really fucking good. Right. And I just backed out. And then I started learning like that was, that was probably the first three, four days I was there. Cause I was lonely for someone to dude, who knows what going to happen. Right. It could have been a pinata. I could have become oh a pinata, Canadian yeah. pinata in there. Oh, I love pinata. <laughs> I love pin that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I love pinata. Oh, uh, horrible. Mm. Yeah. But it was crazy because I had uh like it was what was really weird is that uh some of the girls over there knew that I was over there and they had never seen a white guy before. And right, because they grew up oh. in parts of Mexico where they never seen like a white guy, a half black dude-ish guy, right? Undercover yeah. brother. They never seen an undercover brother before. 
right? And so they're just like trying to come over. So most of the girls were prostitutes in there because they were just wow. like, dude, they were wearing Nike and like, you know, Reebok, right? Like they were wearing all, all nice gear. And so they would try to come over. But uh, so one time this prostitute came over and she was really uh, young. She was about my age. And she came over and I was like so nervous. I, I was not into it. Like I'm in jail. Like this is, we're, we're in the middle of the desert. You know what I mean? Everyone's like trying to kill me around here. I'm eating tacos. I'm peeing in a bucket. I'm, you know, chasing rats out of the <laughs> toilet. You know what I mean? Like it's waking up to cockroaches. Da -da, da -da, da -da, da -da. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like waking up like that every single day. Like, it's not like set the ambiance, you know? Mm -hmm. like the cockroaches crawling down the wall in doesn't just a very slow pattern no fucking doesn't fucking no, i'm picturing no. like little mermaid and they're singing you a beautiful mariachi tune it was horrible La cockroacha, it was La <laughs> so embarrassing <laughs> and this is vulnerable man circle of vulnerability bury your chest bury your chest right and they came over and i was just like no i can't do this but what is amazing about the prostitutes in mexico is they bring you dinner they bring you dinner awesome so so you fucked her for dinner? No, no, I didn't have sex. I didn't have sex. I couldn't do it. Okay, I was good. like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not into that. But hey, nice to meet you. And she was like, uh, she wanted to practice her English with me. Uh, so uh, she was like, hello, how are you? And I was like, oh my god, do I have to do this all night? Like this is horrible. I should just have sex. I just, can I just have? Yeah. I'll do the English. Be easy, like, just to slate with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would have been way better. Yeah, but it was, but it was a different, different world different world yeah but the dangerous offenders down there i'm telling you you i was in a uh in a in a, a unit whatever down there with a guy who kidnapped 75 people right 75 people and held them for ransom that's a big thing in mexico right like you just kidnap people oh, and hold them for shit. ransom so he, sure. he did 75 and didn't return a single one right and so th <sighs> this guy was on the news so what they do in mexico is they beat you within an inch of your life and then put you on TV and and make you confess to your crimes on TV that this is the standard operating procedure down there. So wow. they yeah, so they beat this guy and he's on TV, he's all bloody, you know, hands behind his back. He's like, Yeah, I I did it, I did it, right? I 75 all these people. And um, and he had so much money that he was able to pay basically his way out of it all. But yeah. when he was there, he uh nicest guy in the world, like holy shit. One of the nicest Mexican people I've ever met, you know, invited me into his house, a little dinner with his family, kids running around like this is in the jail, right? <laughs> kids running around. He's like, hey, have some dinner. He like, gave me a pair of shoes because I didn't have any shoes. Like it was just one of these things. I'm like, wow, this is a really nice guy. I'm like, it's hard to say anything nice about this douchebag. Like it's, you know, it's just how do you say douchebag in, in Spanish? You know, they don't have that word. OK, well, nice guy. You know, like it, it's just a weird, weird thing. But he's serious dangerous offender and you know down there you have money you're not a dangerous offender anymore sounds like america yeah sounds like yeah. everywhere but canada not to sound like a drug lord or anything but name one thing on this earth that is not negotiable has he like reached out to you for any like first world favors who yeah. This Mexican guy. I mean, no. he's inviting the white guy over. Seems like a power move. He, I didn't Sounds make, like he's dead. I didn't make any friends, any friends out of there. I got this uh, long piece of paper that I just found the other day. 
and it was all the connections that I wrote from Mexico, like, you know, uh, Jose Guadalupe Fernandez uh, Martinez, right? Like all one name, right? You know, Guadalupe, you know, all these names. And I don't remember who the fuck is who on there. I, I wouldn't even know, right? But I have a star between some, so that must mean like drug lord. You know what I mean? If I had a star or something, that's what it would have been. And I just look at it and go, oh, dude, I can't, I can't. My, my head's right out. I, what am I supposed to say? Hey, Fernando, how are you? I am fine. Like, what do I, what do I say? Uh, life in Canada is cold. You know, like, I, I don't know what to say to them. <laughs> you know, it would be very yeah. tough. So I just kind of let that go. You don't want to make friends in a Mexican jail. Fuck that. Yeah, that sounds tough. Interesting. But the dangerous offender up here is badass badass people you don't just get yeah. that tag for any reason that girl is dangerous i'm pointing at useless i'm pointing down because that's where you are I mean, that girl is dangerous to get that celeste you're dangerous no 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 oh <laughs> the girl in the story yeah okay yeah. <laughs> this lady i'm completely non-threatening i promise you don't look it which is why i'm so threatening yeah <laughs> which is why you're <laughs> so threatening in looks I have resting bitch face. I winked at her just so you guys know. Oh, I know. I felt it. Yeah, I felt it. Woo, the lady. Huge bush. Speaking of huge bushes, before we get started, Richard. Richard. That sad beard. Are you taking collagen? Are you eating jello? I'm eating jello. Lots of it. Have you guys ever seen the live action Pinocchio with JTT? No. You remind me of. Stromboli. Yeah. You should say something creepy like behave kids or something. I don't know. <laughs> behave kids. Oh, I'm so creeped out. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'll naturally come out with something creepy for you in a bit. I'm sure. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot. My bad. I like it, man. It's like full testosterone overload with that beard. Like when I see that, you know what I mean? Like I, I fucking can't grow a beard for the life of me. I look like a criminal. I hate to break it to you, but I know, but I do like I, I grow it. I'm like, ah, oh, I start looking like don't what the, people start following me around the store. I was like, no, nah, I don't like it. Just grow it. I was going to say you should move to Minnesota because you would fit right in. But yeah, there's no bodies there ever. Yeah, ever. Never. Yeah. There's no dead people. No murders. Never dead people found on the side of the road ever. No, it's because yeah. the aliens are taking them. They are. I mean, they have to be because we don't have alligators and we oh, we have pigs. I've never touched a pig because they were so frightening. I had a I had a friend who had this pig farm and it's like in the fucking middle of nowhere. OK, I live in the corner of Minnesota where like 50 miles each way is fucking nothing. Oh, nothing. Like There's that. nothing either way. Um, so I went to this buddy's house and I turned the corner and I stopped the car because I thought I entered Jurassic Park. <laughs> because of the noise of the pigs yeah it's bad i was like i don't think i want to drive any farther towards this noise i've seen too many jurassic parks they're nice they have the intelligence of like a they're not nice that's not true yeah pigs i mean it depends on like the conditions that they're in but generally pigs are actually very nice yeah, they're intimidating because you don't know because you hear all the folklore about them about them eating people right so you go in there and you're like shit is this today they are yeah. very big animals big. too. They sound like freaking dinosaurs. Yeah. Like how? <laughs> they don't they don't oink oink like Nickelodeon let me believe. I won't touch one. They're hairy, but not soft. Yeah, they're spiky. Yeah, they are actually. They're not smooth. Everybody thinks they are. 
right? Yeah, it's like it's like uh, the pig of the of the cat family, the sphinx cat. Sphinx cats, they're not they're not. I have two of them. They're not hairless. They're furry. Yeah, they're like velvet. Yeah. Yeah. I have so forever. I just wanted like just like one good like just like smack on one of their bellies. I feel like it would be so satisfying. You could do that to mine. You could do that. Haven't you ever seen one of their bellies? You just want to smack. Yeah, yeah. I do it all the time. It's 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 good. It's a it's fulfilling. I should put it on YouTube. I probably have a million views. It seems like it. It seems like it would make a great noise. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're slapping your grandfather in the face. Just <laughs> <laughs> get myself some nice sphinx cats first. Just go rent one. Just go to the SPCA, rent one for a day. Say you're going to take it for a walk or something, whatever. Right? <laughs> and just get your anger out on your grandfather. Slap it belly. <laughs> right? I don't mean hard, but I just, come on. My, that sound yeah. like you do with a puppy yeah my advice to you first though before anything would be to get a little bit of aloe vera cream perhaps or some coconut pam spray and put it on that belly put a nice uh, healthy heaping on there really get that real smack feeling that you really need right okay if i'm gonna prepare it that much i'm cooking it well <laughs> remember it's a rental it's a fucking rental yeah the evidence is gone I grew up without grandparents, so it would definitely be like touching my dad's face. So that's weird. Oh, the circle of vulnerability and truth has started. I didn't know. You're a oh, I. you know how you have a problem with lying? I have a problem with telling the truth. But I'm not like brutally honest, you know, like I'm not a dick. I don't think. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like a dick. No, you're not a dick at Richard, all. Richard, am I a dick? Not, not to me. There is no wrong way to be in life. I've realized. I agree. Well, I mean, unless you murder people and chop their heads off and stuff. That's, you know, pigs, just, yeah. as long as you're not hurting yourself or others. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Libertarianism. What is that libertarianism? It's uh, doing whatever you want as long as it's not affecting other people, basically. As long what? as it's between two, as long as the, everyone's consenting and it's not hurting anyone else, then go for it. Woo, well, the lady. Woo, that yeah. means everything. But 5% yeah. of everything you could do, you can do anything. Yeah. It's basically Satanism without saying I'm a, I am like Satan, you know? It's, it's Satanism light. I think Satanism, I think Satanism is more about taking care of yourself and others than fucking Christianity is. 100%. Yeah, I think so too. Half the oh, yeah. Satan thing, half the Satan thing is just to piss off the Christians too, right? Like they don't actually believe in yeah. Satan. They just believe in pissing off Christians with Satan. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a it is a very common thing that criminals turn to Christians. Yes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's the next step on your yeah. journey through having a fucked up life that you go religious afterwards. Mm -hmm. And there's a guy that I did time with who is a devout Jehovah, Jehovah witness in jail. Oh, they're the worst. So he went straight backwards. Dude. <laughs> Took a straight 180 and was like, bye. He was a he was a multi-murderer. All right. So he murdered, he murdered someone, went to jail, escaped through a garbage truck, and killed someone again. Found out his partner was gay. His uh roll dog partner was gay and killed him. His what partner? Sorry. His dog, like his guy, his guy he was like doing crime with. Oh, I thought you meant like his husband was gay. And I was no, like, yeah. no, 
No, no, his partner. <laughs> like, <is> that- <laughs> No, but he found out that his partner was gay. Yeah. And he was like, oh, he got all upset. And then he murdered him. Right. Because it was, you know, he's from the 80s, man. And uh, right. And and so he got back in there and then he turned Jehovah Witness in there. And so this guy, you can imagine, is like 230 pounds, 240 pounds, tattied up, uh, you know, works out, you know, kind of a whatever guy and goes around and tries to recruit guys in the (laughs) prison. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, thank you, sir. Straight up Bible study. Hey. You didn't make it a Bible study. You know what I mean? Or we're going over this. Yeah, be fucking terrified. Be like, okay, I'll be, I'll be at Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> it's spiritual rape. All right. It is yeah, horrible. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yep. Right. And so he goes there and he'll force it. And he kind of came on to me and did it. But we became friends. I was just like, yeah, no, I was working for the, the Christians at the time in the church. Right. So that yeah, conflict of interest you know what i mean kind of yeah yeah that, right? and uh, i was working for the church in there so we kind of got along in a weird way but then in the same we didn't right so but it was it was a trip because he would go hey knock on the door right come in hey how you doing you know you're new here oh yeah hey i wonder if i can introduce you to a friend of mine and you'd be like oh yeah who this is are you fucking serious some people have probably <laughs> Uh, gone to jail on purpose to avoid the Jehovah's, but then now you're in a cell and they still knock on your fucking door. Are you fucking? <laughs> yep. yeah. Some dude you can't escape. No neck. Hey, I want to introduce you to a buddy of mine. What's his name? Jehovah. Right? It's like boom in your face. I would have like, fucking oh, kill that lady had I known you were following me in here. I just would have dealt with it. It is a literal TV show when you're in there and you're just like, yeah, man, and no, dude, I don't want to. The Jehovah's too. There's only like fifty thousand spaces in heaven or whatever. You're the dude in jail, like who killed two yeah, people. One hundred forty-four. You think they're gonna give you that slot, man? Yeah. Why are you even trying? Go for a different religion. That's what yeah. I said. <laughs> yeah, there's I only didn't know so there much were in- slots. I didn't know there were slots in Jehovah's. I would be gambling. I'll be gambling yeah. forever. Only one hundred forty-four thousand people will go to heaven. Yeah, the rest are doomed. Yeah, it is crazy. So it's just, you know, it's mm. they've it's it's everywhere in there. It's everywhere. And every single religion is represented at an extremist yeah. rate, like in an extreme thing. Yeah. They should really highlight that because I feel like that is a much better deterrent than yeah. the death penalty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. If you go to jail, you will be forced to become some kind of religion. <laughs> we won't we don't know which one. It will be a potluck. You may be a Christian. You may be a Buddhist. You may... It's like Mean Girls, except for religions in jail. I would say yes. probably 70%, maybe 75% of the people in there are drug addicts. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You come in drug addicted to something. It's a high, mm-hmm. high amount. There are people, they put them on this stuff called methadone. Okay? Methadone mm-hmm. is the stuff that helps you get off of opiates and other drugs that you're on, like harder drugs, right? But what these guys do is they sell that methadone in the jail. Because if you do a lot of it, you can tank the entire day instead of just you get high the entire day. Right. So some guys Mm -hmm. don't need it, but they go for it and they got to take it. They go up to the window. They got their water. They got their methadone. They take it. Oh, thank you. And they swallow it with some water. And then they walk away and then they grab a cup Mm-hmm. and they barf it all up ah, 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 and then they sell that in the prison for tobacco to somebody else and that person will drink that will drink it yeah yeah that's drug- that's what kind of system we're in 
That's why you always want to be the guy with tobacco. Yeah, you want to be the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to be the guy. Yeah, it's crazy. That's what kind of system we deal. That's why people go all the way to Christianity because it's the next level of like out of your psychosis, right? It's into another. They have to have something to be addicted to. So if they can't get the drugs, then they they get addicted to the religion. And I mean, that's the same thing with with rehab success stories. Is they probably started working out. Yeah. excessively but you want to get people on positive things so if you look at christianity as as crazy as we all know it can be and it is to some people it really is a lifesaver and that's where i look at stuff like religion as like okay it might be whatever but it might you know you know, just can't convince you out of everything you have in your life and and convince you to have a shitty life all in all right but to some people life-saving yeah some people yeah, it's de- it definitely is lesser of two evils well i mean if you've yes. got a drug addicted murderer oh, who yeah. is no longer a drug addicted murderer but all they do is talk about jesus like you know which one would you that's rather? the lesser no <laughs> socrates was murdered for being too annoying and talking about his beliefs at people so if you're gonna come True. into my house get in my face yeah 100 kill me do not talk to me about god just yeah. kill me <laughs> Same. Well, think about it too. The murder maybe happens twice. Let's say it, it's this guy. He killed two people. It's not like it continues to happen. The Jesus thing just goes on and on and on and on. It grows and it grows. So maybe just kill me too. I think I'm with Celeste on this. Just fucking. Yeah, just, me. just, I would much prefer you were a murderer. <laughs> I retract, I retract my statement. I agree. I'd rather be shot in the face. <laughs> Blow my fucking head off. Do not. I'd rather do drugs. You don't even have to blow my head off. Slow. I don't care. You can do it as slow as you want. (laughs) Just don't talk to me about God. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. So in Mexico, in our units, once a week, there would be these guys that would come with the megaphones. Oh, God. (laughs) And they would stand in the middle of our unit for about an hour, hour and a half. Jesus de Cristo, Jesus de Cristo, Eh, come, come. And they would be like talking, like, give yourself to God, give it in Spanish, right? For like an hour, easy, easy, easy an hour and sit there and just look at them. And it's just like, you know, this is truly my hell. I am truly learned my lesson in life, whatever the fuck is I'm trying to learn. I learn it every (laughs) Sunday right here in the unit, right? Like, I, I, it's, it's crazy. That sucks. Except Mexican culture, like they're like, their kooky Mexican version of like Catholicism or whatever is so much yeah. more interesting than white people. It religion. is. Yeah. Yeah. They pray. To it's the almost staff. like, it's almost like Catholicism mixed with voodoo. It's cool. Right. The scent. What is that? Backwater, Santa Maria? Backwater, Louisiana. Yeah. Like Louisiana, witch doctor. Like it's like they've been mixed together. It's actually really cool. Yeah, because they have the rosaries, all the shit they all the rosaries and stuff, and then all the mm-hmm. statues, the Guadalupe and the St. Mary or the yeah, uh, who's it, Virgin Mary? I guess that's who it is, right? The Virgin Mary yes. statues. Yeah, right? like they're big on that. They're really big on that. And then know? they have their all their other stuff like right. um, uh, the, the Day of the Dead, where they um, yeah. spend the day focused on the people that are you know everyone that's crossed over, which is so against catholicism because it's like you know black magic kind of thing but it's all mixed into one 
it's yeah it's really cool so when i was in there i was in during uh 99 to i went in there in 98 was there 99 2000 i was in those three years there right and one night they we they this guy comes into the unit one of the guys that was there he's like hey canadian he holds up this videotape he goes we got this video that's from the states and there's some crazy shit happening there. And you're right out of touch. Like, I have no idea. I didn't know who Britney Spears was. I didn't know any of this stuff at the time. Right. And, and so he's like, oh, he puts it in the VCR. <laughs> right. And plays it on this TV. And I start watching it. And it was the Blair Witch Project. Uh, and, uh. and they're watching it. And I'm watching this thing. I'm like, what is this? You know, like, and I've never seen a movie like this before. That was the first of its kind. Right. So they were telling mm -hmm. me, yeah, they found this tape and my cousin taped it for us and we put it on here to watch. Right. And they didn't tell me it wasn't real. You know what I mean? So, oh, wow. Yeah. For like three years, I was rolling around thinking the Blair Witch Project was real. Right. They, yeah. You know, for the longest time. But that is just what happens when you're in there. You're so out of touch. You're in, you're just like that changed that literally changed everything. I thought, oh man. And when I found out it wasn't real, I was a real idiot. Like I, I was like, okay, I'm I am a certified idiot. Like I believe that. <laughs> I think you had a pretty decent excuse. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. So the Mexicans so they are, man. They just like they're it's a it's a crazy world. Like they there are people who welcome you into your into your home and they'll feed you and they'll give you everything they have, the last of it, but they will also take your life in a second mm. they don't care they will love you and they will kill you in the same breath it is amazing wow. and, and that's how you grow up there and it's and you know we were lucky to get through all that we really were i was by myself i i took the rap and, and my partners went but you know when you start the one thing that saved me down there was pe making people laugh it saved yeah. my ass yeah it was crazy and i was a pro boxer at the time right so but making people laugh holy crap that saved my life down there in so many occasions it's so being funny versus being able to fight yeah being funny it was it was it's laughter is the universal get your ass out of trouble it is no one wants to kill the clown they don't <laughs> and they're like oh potentially he could make me laugh you know in the next couple of days okay let's keep him alive right hey it's good <laughs> right? it's like fuck. if he doesn't make me laugh by thursday yeah, dance monkey <laughs> right like it's yeah it was that's how it was there, right? It was pretty funny. It's pretty funny shit. Oh, I get away with so much for just using humor. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> That's our whole show. Yeah. <laughs> That's the reason that we're not like literally like being sent death threats is because we do comedy. Yeah. yeah. They would love you in Mexico. <laughs> I think they do. Yeah, I want to hear about this lady. I want to hear about this crazy lady. Yeah. She's uh, piquing my, my interest, my mind. I don't even know her name. Me neither. Her name is Renee Ackaby. I never heard of her. It actually might be a Kobe, but I find Ackaby easier to say. So sorry, Renee. <laughs> That's not someone you should just be casually saying sorry like that too. We should be Why? Oh. She's not getting out. That's true. <laughs> you can say whatever you want, man. If she she won't hear a damn thing. She yeah. won't hear anything. There you go. You know? Fair That's enough. the best part about it. Like you could talk trash about criminals. Have you ever gone on the dirty? Oh man. Ooh, there's lots of criminals on there. You can talk shit about on the dirty. I remember the dirty. <laughs> yes. There's <laughs> lots of them. On there, and you can see all the dirty. Everybody's STDs were published there, man. You oh. couldn't have an STD in this city without being on the dirty. Oh yeah. That yeah. was gold for some douchebags. You know, 
some criminal guys, they were there's like a badge of honor, man, getting on that dirty. What do you get out of jail? You're on the dirty. You made it. All right. Anyway, so we should probably talk about this lady for at least like a second here. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So Renee Ackaby, most the only female dangerous offender in Canada currently. The only caught one. I'm sure there's some scary ass women out there. Big ups to you, ladies. Big ups to you, ladies. I want to know what she did. Let's talk about what she did. All right. So here's the interesting thing about Renee, which I will just preface this with right now. She was originally sentenced to three and a half years for drugs. She has been in prison since 2000. Wow. That's crazy. It's like the Canadian Charlie Bronson. He went to jail for mail fraud or some shit. Wow. That's really good. Let's let's find out why she's still there. Okay. Can Mm -hmm. we take a guess on why? Sure. Anybody want to guess first? I, I have a guess. Fighting. Fighting or disruptive. Ooh. Oh, she was a fighter, you think? Disruptive, yeah. Fighting. Like uh, on the street fighting? No, no. In jail. She was in jail and fighting in jail. Oh, so she, I think. She just kept tacking it on and then fuck, you're done. Or killed someone even. I think she chopped someone's boob off. That's a very common thing. <laughs> Is that really a common thing? I'm going to say chop boob, chop boob. Okay. Uh, human, she got into human trafficking. Oh, from prison. Sure, she was smuggling other prisoners out in her ass. <laughs> oh. That sounds like a good I don't movie. know anything about her except her name, and she was only sentenced to three and a half. That's all I got. I love Tally. You're the best. I think she converted to Mormonism, and she was physically abusing people to convert them to mormonism as well there you go okay. all right nice and this was in edmonton right it was Edmonton, obviously she is i believe currently still she is either in the edmonton institution edmonton is where i live by the way yeah um she's either in the edmonton institution or she is now in vancouver at the fair fairview fairway something i don't know um, there haven't been any updates on her in the last little while, but there was one report that said she was transferred over to Vancouver and she was being housed there. But uh, this was someone who was very fond of her and I think might have just been hoping that her transfer would go through. Oh. But last I heard, she was still in the Edmonton Institution, but she's been all over. She was in Nova. She was in um, some Grand Valley. Oh. Uh, she's been all over. These are some hardcore places. The female places are rougher than the guys. Mm hmm. Oh yeah, they're really bad. It's just really like, yeah, I don't know. Everything's very possessive. Everything is just women very... are fucking crazy when they get into a pack, man. <laughs> yeah, it's very underhanded. Men come at you, and you know exactly what they're there for. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Women are just like crazy, and and you know, it's like everything is uh, like fought over. the The number one thing they fight over is food. It's number one out of anything in those prisons right especially the women that's what happens yeah women's prisons you go in there and you get fat okay well imagine imagine all of your periods sync up you're all getting your cravings at the exact same time it it would literally be a feeding frenzy (laughs) it's it's sharks yeah one poor bitch with one chocolate bar and everyone knows she's got it she's fucked (laughs) or you get fucked with one chocolate bar yes there's a benefit to chocolate bars as well (laughs) <laughs> they are. You can die or you can have an orgasm. That's true. I'm not even lying. But they but chocolate melts. You can pay chocolate, right? 
right? <laughs> How sick. You are sick. Put it in the freezer. Put it in the freezer for a while. You can put it in the freezer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, why do I say things? True fact. Everything is chopped in half in the female prison. It's a true fact. Is that because, because, because they'll uh, eat each other if they don't get food. No, that's not why. No, that's not <laughs> Things why are not too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bananas, no corn on the cob. Uh, All pickles are in slices. Yeah. 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 No Toblerone bars. No. You know I mean, like, no, it's not happening. I like hot chocolate. I'd be fine with that. Oh my God. I'm and when so you much. think about it, it's kind of insulting. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of an insult to, to do that. You know, like, I mean, no, they're in prison. Like, what do you think we are? <laughs> like we're savage vegetable fuckers. Dude, or- you were just described <laughs> wrapping a fucking uh, towel with a condom and fucking that. Like, come on, let's be honest. Yeah, but those are guys. Those are guys. <laughs> those are women. The point of prison is punishment, not reward. <laughs> yeah. No, if I was sure. in prison 100%, I would <laughs> I would be I would be gay. I would be gay for the stay in prison. Like 100%. Yeah. Okay. Very normal. It's very normal down there. Just it, it ends and it happens especially with the girls. I've known guys that were cuddlers in jail they just cuddle. Yeah. I do need to specify that I me Tally is talking about American prison systems, not Canadian. Yeah. Mm. So I apologize. I don't really know the that. difference too much. I thought actually Mike would have some insight on differences in different countries obviously from the male perspective but. you ever been in prison in america i have yeah i was in it's nuts uh, it is it is i haven't done a lot but the time that i've been there i it's an eye-opener because everything is like it's weird because america sorry is all about money and then the mm-hmm. prison is all about money too at a different level mm-hmm. you know and everything kind of circles around to money so that's why you want to be the guy with tobacco most and are most prisons are most prisons in America owned by private corporations? Yes, uh, we have for-profit prisons. Yes, yeah, yeah, they're, they're very it's popular stupid. in Canada. It's all government, but yeah, down yeah, there same. it's it's. And when you're in the pay ones, they they have the the thing that comes around that has all the chocolate bars and the food and the commissary stuff, right? And it's like, it's just huge price. Like the prices are way out of whack, right? Because they know you're not going to have anything else. So they just rape you on the prizes, on the, uh, yeah. on, the, on the stuff, right? And it's just all about money. Like it's, it's really crazy. If you don't have money in those private places, then you kind of suffer. And, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a weird business to have, like own your own prison. And we have protected prisons for cops and pedophiles. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's protected up here. It's drives. It's my number one thing we fight against here is like, you know, pedophiles, rapists. Like I don't want to bring that up, but yeah, it's crazy. We we have a lot here. Did you know in Victoria? This is crazy stat. Victoria, uh, growing up in the '90s, '80s, and '90s, we had the most child predators there. It was an epidemic in our on our island for pretty much the '80s and the '90s. And what it was was actual children preying on other children. It was so wow. bad on our island. They had juvies full. We're talking up to hundreds of kids that were in. And it just, it was the 80s. So it didn't get out very much. And it was just a really different time. Right. But it, it was an, it was bad, bad, bad up here. And all those kids, you know, ended up getting out of prison. You know, oh my God. Hundreds. And they're, they're all, all around. Right. So it's an epidemic up here, man. And it's, and it's one of those things that, you know, we actually have guys that go out. I don't know. You guys have them in Edmonton, the creep catchers. Have you ever seen these guys? 
Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, man. They go out and they trap the pedophile on the, uh, on the TV or whatever yeah. the computer. And then they meet up with them. Right. And yeah. Right. And videotape it. Like we got, we got these guys here that go around doing that. And you know, they, they catch everybody. And they even got guys who accidentally, they don't even know they're doing shit. And all of a sudden they're doing shit. And it's, it's fucking bad, but that, this is yeah. nuts. Right. And the police don't even let him care. They're just like, you no, know, they don't want to bust them. They don't want to do anything. They just kind of let it happen, you know, and let these guys bust them and out them. And then they just walk away. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or they have yeah. 10 years probation, you know, whatever. That's in the States. We have the same thing in the States. And there's been a few that go on that show twice. Like mm-hmm. they offend, get blasted. And then how all of a sudden they're on there the next year. How? Why? What the hell? Yeah. Good yeah. job, guys. Yeah, great job. Thanks for yeah. spending our tax dollars wisely, fuckers. <laughs> War on what? War on drugs? That's our fucking problem. That's our that's our prison system. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> when you're in a Mexican prison and you get caught for smuggling drugs, I got caught with. Uh, we had smuggled. We used to smuggle them out in uh, in in uh in furniture so i was part of a bunch of guys who did it and we used to smuggle them out in furniture and they got here and and but down in mexico you get you get caught for doing that it is worse than murder it is worse than murder to get caught with drugs down there you get caught you get life sentence they'll ship you off to an island in the middle of the pacific and leave you there right so we were like we we were doing things down there it would have been better for us to just murder someone because you actually get out of prison earlier and faster because it's like okay we think you're rehabilitated go but they can't rehabilitate drugs that's the war on drugs is take down the you know the non-taxpayers you know the people who are skipping the line and not paying the american government right it's crazy it's yeah. really crazy you don't understand it until you're there and you become a victim of it you're like holy shit it's bigger than what we think right but these are the mm-hmm. great things in life like when you get stories and you get like experiences and you live through them you're you're just like okay this is cool man you know 20 years later you can actually uh, get some kind of meaning out of all these situations that happen right oh yeah there always has mm-hmm. to be someone to tell the tale always yeah, yeah. and here we are here we are Hey, not not comedic at all right this is just like <laughs> hey this is just like the darker side of reality i mean this is this is it <laughs> yeah. yeah no i'm so i'm so fucking glad you've come on and you're talking to us man I awesome feel privileged. Yeah. i feel privileged listening to all your stories i'm loving oh, it great or sure. i like you guys this is awesome well, it can't so be good. a laugh a minute with this we gotta we gotta get serious at some oh. point but the thing yeah. that's funny about criminals what people don't understand is they're actually really funny because you go into situations where you laugh at shit that ordinary people don't laugh at. Like, you know, mm-hmm. someone loses a finger or something and it blood squirt. You're like, oh, hey, ha, ha, hey, look at that. Right. Like you just kind of you shrug it off like it's nothing to the ordinary person. Uh, they would lose their marbles. You know what I mean? Fall to the yeah. floor and crime fit. You know what I mean? So that's the funny part about this is that you usually hear stories when you sit around and hear guys <laughs> tell stories. It's like, holy shit, that guy is like really insane. But it's normal to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's normal, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, hearing stories of chopping people, like oh, it's like what? It's like oh yeah, yeah using heads as soccer balls, soccer balls, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you meet the guy, and he's just like the sweetest guy. All right, and uh, and the lady, we keep going yes. off of the the lady. The I hope we learn to love her. I just have one of those feelings. We'll see. Honestly, this it's an interesting story for sure. So she was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba, in 1979. 
So she was raised by her grandmother alone after her father beat her mother to death with a tire iron when she was six months old. And then her grandfather committed suicide after the death of his daughter. So we're off to a really good start for this young lady. Yeah. So she was in and out of foster care as a child because of her grandmother's struggle with substance abuse. But she spent most of her childhood being raised by her grandmother. The grandmother who killed her mom. Her father killed her mom. Oh, my bad. I heard you wrong. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) I was so confused. (laughs) No. Her father killed her mom, and then her grandfather, whose daughter died, killed himself. Okay, thank you. Cool. So she got in trouble with the law for the first time when she was 12. Mm. And it was, uh, you know, public disturbance, mischief, whatever kind of crap, right? Very small time, but this is the first time she was known to police. Uh, And it's actually speculated that her behavior turned angry and defiant the way that it did because it was the year before she was eavesdropping on a conversation that her grandmother was having. And she actually, for the first time, learned the truth. Renee had no idea her grandmother was not her mother or that her actual mother was murdered by her father. Yeah, this is why you don't keep secrets from your kids. You tell them stuff because they're going to find out anyway. And you better control that information, how you want it to be told to them. So you might as well just tell them everything. You might as well just get it all out there because... I don't know. I don't want fucking. I think the trick is to just like keep it a conversation, you know, like every two months until, you know, from when they're four years old, when they can start retaining information, like every two months, just be like at the dinner table, be like, listen, we love you no matter what. (laughs) But there's something you should know. Yeah. Yeah. And just keep doing it because then it's normal. Then it becomes something normal. Yeah, it's going to be much easier to deal with straight away than it is like having to deal with that, with that fallout. Like that's fucked. I disagree. I killed a hamster when I was three and I feel like I would have handled it much worse when I was like, if they told me when I was five, than when I was 19, when they, when they told me. So there was a serial killer uh, in this prison that started off killing hamsters. It's so funny when you said that Celeste, because he actually started off killing hamsters when he was a kid. I didn't do it on purpose. I hugged it too hard. I, I'm not. Hamsters I'm not always die a tragic death. Hamsters always die from nothing. I turned the vacuum on and it got scared to death. Like, yeah, yeah they're fucking stupid. They <laughs> are born in fields so that owls can eat them. They are food. Yes. And Brazilians, Brazilians as well. Brazilians also die from nothing. They're food for owls. <laughs> Brazilians are sexy people. Yeah, well, it's because they eat hamsters. I mean, <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> it is. It's the blood of the hamster that keeps you young. It's like the nice, uh, the nice. Yeah, that's what. So sick. it's not young virgins that we learn, like we learned, Celeste. It's actual hamster blood. I thought it was inhaling people's ashes. Damn it! Ooh, we we haven't tried these yet, so I'm gonna say they're true, hundred percent. So go out there and do it if anyone's listening. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> Thanks for your support. The fountain of youth. It's human ashes mixed with hamster blood. Ah. Do it. And if you guys actually do do it, let's see the before and after. I'd like to see how you look. How you're looking. Data. Mm -hmm. We like data. This could start a new uh, internet thing. Sure. Yeah. Let's hope. We're doing Tide Pods. We're doing the Tide Pod thing to people. We're sucking hamsters. You can imagine the epidemic of hamster. If this actually took off, it would be. How many hamsters would it take to fill a jacuzzi? (laughs) (laughs) Top to bottom. 
Hang on, I'll just message Kent and ask him to find out. How much blood is in the average hamster? Fuck, that's a good good one. So now, so if you're talking, if you squeezed it? Yeah, you'd have to juice it. Well, they eat a lot of vegetables, so they'll probably have a lot of blood, like, you know, coming through your body. It's healthy, right? Like, they have all the blood. It's running on the wheel. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's. Yeah, they're pretty. It's pretty they're active. Pretty you know what I mean? So there's probably lots of blood. <laughs> right? It's probably juicy. You want to get the real active ones. You don't want the ones that are sitting back just, you know, sucking all the water in the house. Just sit by sucking all your water. You want to get nice, juicy ones. You'd have to kill a lot of hamsters. No wonder Ozzy Osbourne's still alive. We rats. We used to have rats come through the toilet in the, the Mexico. So they would come up because there's no running water. Right. So the rats would run through the pipes oh. and eat all the dookie and eat everything that gets flushed down there. Right. So if you wanted to flush your toilet, you got to get a bucket. So you'd have to walk all the way down to the well and get a bucket, 10 gallon bucket, and then carry it back to your room. And then that's how you flush your toilet. Right. Yeah. It was like a workout trying to do strip. And but literally, oh, yeah, it yeah. was bad. They'd come up and bite you. They'd come up and, you know, I, I didn't get bit, nothing, but you, you're always looking. You're like, Jesus Christ, right? Like, you're trying to do everything really fast. Just like, just get through it, right? Just get through yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to just want to want to hang out too long, read the book or something. Like, no, 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 just go get through it. Yeah. And then flush that rat down the toilet. Yeah, it was really bad. So you'd have to put oh. a thing over top, a board. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I would say about uh, this girl that what you guys, you know, should understand about this girl and about her doing the rest of her life in prison is that she'll more than likely get moved around a lot Mm -hmm. because women get shuffled a lot when they're in lifers. And so her life is never going to be like stable in one spot. She's going to be always moving, always, always right Mm -hmm. across the country and shit and. It's going to be really tough for her for the rest of her life, you know, and she's probably, you know, more than likely she's isolated. Yeah. It sounds like she had a tough starting out, you know, like it's been tough for a long time. She was 12 and she started there. Right. It, yeah. I don't know when you're just put into that situation at such a young age, it's you, you have a hard time just not ending up there. Right. Like the, the, the whole system's geared against this woman, even at 12 now right when I've heard the story. So she's just already sucked into a system that she probably can't get out of. And now she just, she probably already before any of this, she already had a shit. I I don't think the traveling around has made it any worse is what I'm trying to say. Since you bring it up and it is very important. She is also indigenous. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in Canada, especially that is an incredibly important factor. Yeah. Yeah. Nine, nine, nine out of 10 female inmates are indigenous mm-hmm. yeah meanwhile we have what like 10 percent of our population is indigenous you know it's something very small compared to canada but i mean if it's the reverse there's 10 one in 10 are white in jail but one in 10 are indigenous in canada that's a terrible statistic to like look at right it's kind of a sad mm-hmm. statistic mm-hmm. um sad but it's what we're bred for like it's it's really it's really crazy like you look at everything like even when i was in mexico the canadian government paid them for me to be there to look after me they paid them some like ten thousand dollars a month that was supposed to help me but it didn't it went right into their pockets right and i'm like man you know you think about that like you know they're paying ten thousand dollars a month for an inmate right but 
all these aboriginal or indigenous people here they've done nothing for over you know you know 50 years you know and there's a lot of like it's weird priorities up here and what's happening and you know you look at the indigenous community they're bred to go to jail they're just cattle it's the same it's and yes it's indigenous for sure but it's just poor people too right it's just uh the downtrodden anybody who doesn't have a dime is going to be put into a system like that Uh, most drug addicts aren't drug addicts uh that are in jail anyway or just poor ass people who got stuck in the wrong fucking place Uh, the whole system is fucked in in a way in in that way because it's not like you see these guys stealing millions of dollars getting through three months of jail time in uh some like low security prison meanwhile this uh some girl could have stolen fifty dollars from a uh at gunpoint maybe i don't know or not even from a thing you could be in jail for 10 years like it's geared to fuck with the the poor or the downtrodden already it's protecting the rich right the whole system so well it's 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 and it's a system in place that has a lot of jobs no it's it has a huge impact on economies and everything for sure and it would our system is not even close to perfect america's is even farther away oh yeah well it's all corporation and punishment and you know you know payback right everything that's what north america life is really about it's like get over the next person any way that you can right you know we we used to have juvies in uh up here in canada we don't have juvie jails anymore no because they started teaching kids in school not to be bullies well not only that but our that is one thing about our legal system that is fantastic is the way that we handle youthful offenders Mm -hmm. because incarceration is an absolute last resort at all times oh yeah which is amazing. I mean, because that is essentially what a prison or any kind of incarceration is. It is a crime university. Yeah. Oh, yeah. big time. That's what happened to me. I, I was five years of my adolescent was spent in jail, <laughs> was spent in, uh, in juvies. It was in and out forever. They knew me, you know, mm-hmm. my name, this and that. And it was a crime school. Yeah. All it, was. It, never, it wasn't made to make you better. It was made to get you to the next level, to the adult. It's such a disgusting discrepancy, too. I mean, to have offenders as young as, you know, sometimes 11 or 12 housed with a 17-year-old, that is a massive difference. There's really no difference between a 30-year-old man and a 50-year-old man in prison. Yeah. But yeah. in juvie, that's traumatizing. Oh, what, did, yeah. what did Renee do again at 12? Did, we say, did you say? What did she do? She again? was not in juvie. She actually never was uh, in, in juvie. So she was just she was just caught making a scene or whatever by police when she was 12. That was the first time she ever was. She wasn't put in juvie at all. OK, that's cool. OK, I just I misunderstood for a second. We we're only like four sentences into this. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, are you? Oh, yeah. wow. Feels like it feels like a uh, like a, a Pulitzer winning article that we're going through. <laughs> so fucking in depth we're just dissecting this thing let's let you bash some out you go (laughs) (laughs) so she was diagnosed with conduct disorder when she was 13 and a social worker referred to her as uncontrollably aggressive and hostile so her aggression her physical violence started very young and so For anybody who doesn't know, typically behavior disorders will progress through as a young child, it'll be oppositional defiance disorder. In your teenage years, it'll be conduct disorder. And then as an adult, you'll be diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. And so 
when she was in prison as an adult, she was indeed diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. So this started in childhood. This is a very familiar brain chemistry now, but in the in the in the eighties and the nineties, they would have had no idea how to help her. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what it it comes down to, and like we we're starting to realize now that you know all of us, you know most of the people in prison were affected in those formidable years, you know, of those, we always hear about the formidable years where you, you sponge everything. You know what I mean? The two, three years of your life, you know, where everything, because, you know, you just absorb and it really does come down to that. And you know, what we're finding out, I don't know, you know, is that most, most people who have trauma as an adult didn't hear a lot of good things when they were kids. Like their, their mom and dad didn't tell them a lot of good stuff. Like, Hey, good job. You did this and Hey, good work. But they always heard, Hey, you know, you're bad. Go to your room. And you know, you did this, bam. you know, they always hear the bad stuff. You're a loser. You're never going to grow up and be anything. They all heard that stuff and never got any phrase or praise from their, from their parents. Right. So it was a common thing. You know, if you don't hear good shit growing up, then you're just going to end up being bad. It's hard not to be a piece of shit when you've always been compared to one. It can be exhausting because especially young kids, you feel like they don't absorb what you're saying to them. Like you feel like when you sit down to explain to them why they're in trouble, that they aren't listening to you. They're just upset that they're in trouble, but they're they are absorbing it. They are absorbing what you're saying to them, even if it feels like you're talking to a wall. And so people will quickly just give up and be like, fine, just get out of my face. But you can't do that. You can't withhold love as a means to teach them a lesson. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. How do you go to how do you have a peaceful sleep when you were just yelled at five minutes ago to go to sleep? Right. And so she, her, she was like destined to do go through all this. You know, this girl was yeah. it was it, it it really is. And it's, you know, most of the girls in that in the women's prison go through this exact thing. Most of it does include a lot of sexual assault, right? Which, you know, always seems to happen in most of these cases. And, you know, they just never get over it. Never have an adult that allows them to talk. And She never spoke openly about it because she was in foster care. There is basically, unfortunately, almost a guarantee that it did happen. That is just the foster care system. It is absolutely riddled with sexual abuse unreported too well, and neglect there's just a lot of other things too that are like with it we always go to the sexual abuse but like do you remember hearing about the celeste maybe two or three years ago in canada where they didn't have enough places in foster homes so they were just taking these kids and putting them in hotel rooms with no chaperones or anything just like here you guys get a hotel room yeah now you guys get to just like live in a fucking side of the highway hotel and this is foster kids just like not enough funding or whatever, but like, that's just asking for so many problems. All these side of the highway motel, they weren't nice hotels. It was like motel hotels where you drive up to the fucking doors, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's all this stuff's just scary. Right. And this is, you shouldn't have to deal with that kind of fear at 12 or 15 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like feeling alone and lost and in a weird hotel room with another 12 year old. And that's all you get. Like, ugh. and this is in Canada. This is like two years ago here in Canada. Like this isn't, in the eighties, this is now. And it's, you know, our system is just like, it's really, it's really tough to know what to do with kids. No kids for you, Mike. No, no kids. No, just, uh, just cats. Yeah. You're not married. Yeah. I'm married. Yeah. I've been with the same girl since, since 1992. Oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah. yeah. Same, same moment. Yeah. St- stuck with me in prison. You know, uh, it was like solid rock and we're still together. It's really weird when that happens. You don't expect that actually someone will like you for that long of your life. Right. Like, um, did your wife ever end up in prison? Yeah. She did four years. Wow. Yeah. She did four years in uh, female jail. So I learned about all the female uh, prison stuff. I heard all the stories. I was like, whoa. Cause the first thing you ask is like, did you have sex? <laughs> That's what everybody asks, right? Yeah, of course. They're eating chips and getting fat. Yeah, yeah. You think it, right? And it's like, no, it's even worse. But she's I like bet. a firecracker. So someone like she doesn't back down from anybody. So like you, there'd be some really muscular big chicks to come out and she'd be like, yeah, I'm willing to die over this piece of cheesecake. You know what I mean? Like it's. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. She's tough and she's like a buck, buck 10 or something, you know, at the time, buck 15, whatever. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, no, you just, it's, it's a funny place because it's all just a mind game, right? It's all mental in there. Mm-hmm. You know? God, cool. Yeah. So she did her time and all that. And we just learned our lesson, right? And she ended up uh, getting out and um, really starting a, a business, like a vape, uh, vape business. And uh, it's huge. And she took it from one store to like 30 stores. I, I like how you both kind of stayed in it, but didn't stay in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you, you're definitely making it a positive thing. You're not just, you're not just it overtaking, you know, the impoverished and killing them one by one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because you, you know, there's comes a time in your life when, you know, when every kind of criminal or whatever will have it. And they, when you start to really feel what you've done in life, like, I've done a lot of bad things to people in life and who hasn't. Yeah. And, and you know, and that's not just violent. It's like treating people badly, you know, mm-hmm. and you get to a certain point in your life where you're like, fuck man, you know, like I really wish I could redo things. And I don't, it's everyone's like, Oh, do you have regrets? And it's like, not really regrets. You'd lie if you say you didn't, but the regrets are like how you treat people and you know, the relationships that you screwed on. That's kind of what I, what I regret the most about the criminal life is that I made friends with people who didn't really deserve it. And I cast people out of my life that really truly loved me and would have been great for me. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, you get to this point at 40 where you're like, uh, okay, you know, you gotta, you know, it starts to hurt a little bit and you start to really uh, contemplate what you can do to make it up to yourself. Right. Cause everyone's like, Oh, I'm going to start doing things for the community. And it's like, no, realistically you feel guilt at some point and you start wanting to do things because you need to calm your own ego you know, and you have to bring yourself back, you know, from the brink of feeling like shit every single day. So mm-hmm. you try to get out there and help other people. And, you know, a lot of people say I'm trying to give back and you know, this and that, but really it's, you're trying to heal yourself. Like I've had friends who I've like, you can imagine, you know, having people drop dead, you know, at a, a phenomenal rate in this industry. I've had tens and tens and tens of friends, <laughs> tens of friends. Right. And it's just like, you know, you, you start to really see it like, wow, I, wow, I sold that guy drugs all the time you know and oh fuck yeah, i was yeah. the guy who started him in his habit like wow mm-hmm. you know and now he's dead right and so that shit hits you and if you're human and you have any kind of compassion eventually it will hit you and you will feel that right yeah. and that's usually when you see guys go to ch- go to god and go to church because they can't handle the guilt yeah i knew this guy who used to sell a bunch of fucking heroin and he knew i mean he knew what he was doing so uh he would trade food stamps for heroin and he would just stock his fucking fridge with food, pop, anything, you know, 
oh, and these junkies would come in, you know, and they'd give them all the money that they had in their fucking wallet for teensy bits of drugs, you know, I'm not going to go into yeah. details, but then he'd be like, and also on the way out, please help yourself to my fridge. Mm-hmm. But like, it's an instant thing and it's not helping. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. yeah, it is. It's just it's- a more of an enabling technique they come back to them a lot more often when they're hungry too i was just about to say which dealer are you going to go back to the one that lets you leave with a burrito or yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so i got my smack i got my smack and a sandwich i'm great yeah Yeah, you can't say it wasn't a subsidized theory yeah then that's it's right and it's guilt and when you know what you're doing you know you consciously know what you're doing eventually it will come back to haunt you it's like anything in life Listen, me just sitting there on the couch watching this happen makes me feel guilty and not yeah. saying like, dude, how yeah. dare you? Yeah. You know, I mean, but also I would be saying like, how dare you feed them what yeah. they are asking you for and paying you for mm-hmm. yeah. not only the food. Yeah. And everybody gets it. You know, and this is a part of life. I think when you hit your forties, you're in a guilt part of your life. You start feeling really shame you know, guilty about certain things that have happened. And I think this is part of the cycle of being human. Guilt is a really good thing. It's true. If you can, like, honestly, the faster you deal with the shit that you've done bad in your life, the faster you handle it in life and get it out and get it out in the open or whatever, the better your life will be. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's what we're trying to teach. Even ex cons just like you get out and truth, man, you know, this is your shitty life. You need to go and talk to your victims or you need to go and, uh, you know, we had one guy who was a guitarist and he was really traumatized by his life and he couldn't get anything right. He was an artist, musician, and he was, he had been a drug dealer. He had been a collector and enforcer. And, uh, and you know, he was just a, this guy and he's like, I don't know what to do. So we did mushrooms and we found out about him that, you know, he's really compassionate. He just wants to help. And he wants to some, he doesn't know how to get out of the criminal mind and into the helping mind. So we we're like, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take your guitar downtown and you're going to make a sign. And the sign is going to say, I'm playing and I'm begging for the homeless. And he sat down there for about five, six hours and played guitar and collected money and then gave the money away to the homeless. It was mind blowing the amount of people that came by and donated and like gave him money. And then he was able to give it away and it changed him. It, it literally changed him. He stopped smoking. He started, you know, I mean, he started really actually volunteering. And I was it. just thinking a big part of that, I think, too, that would be rewarding is that because you said he was a criminal to be in a position where all they have is your word on a piece of paper that you're collecting for the homeless and not for you to buy booze or whatever. But people inherently trusting someone who is a criminal and is used to not being trusted, I think, would be really rewarding. Yeah. 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 It would switch his sort of mindset into someone people trust. You know, there's this thing that, you know, all these feelings we get, we got to listen to them, right? And embrace them because that's our psyche telling us the right things to do, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. Some of the things you see. That's why the foot thing, I was like, oh man, the foot thing. Yeah. Just don't touch them. If you have permission without consent. Yes. Without consent. (laughs) Not touchy. (laughs) Gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So she's a teenager. 
She was very quickly on police's radar. She had quite a few infractions in her youth, including theft, pulling fire alarms, assaulting other teenage girls, stealing cars, and then driving them dangerously on public roads, and also starting fires. And so she was arrested for incarcerated for the first time at age 21, which considering her history is actually like a pretty late start. I was going to say, I was expecting like 17. I was expecting you to go young, like 16, you know, 21 is pretty late, especially with her history. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And at tw- you know, at 21, you kind of know now, you know, everything. Right. So. So they think. Yeah. So you think <laughs> it's that golden age. There was allegedly one serious incident when she was younger. And that was when her, she was involved in like a big brother's big sisters program. And she held a knife to her big sister's throat and demanded that she give her a ride somewhere. And so that was a serious incident, but she, she wasn't incarcerated for that. Hmm. So it was like more than a triad for this bitch. She was like fucking McDonald's. Very impulsive, very violent. Yeah one-man gang a force for sure her her uh attorney actually had some very favorable words to say about her that sort of describe a person that's that you shouldn't like but describes it in a good way she's a survivor kind of thing you know yeah um Uh. but Anyway, so yeah, she's 21 and she was sentenced to three and a half years in prison for drug trafficking and use of a lethal weapon. What she actually did, she keeps under wraps. I don't know. Now, she was actually pregnant at the time when she was arrested. Damn. So two months into her sentence, she took part in her first hostage taking. Yeah, uh, In jail? Yes. Okay, cool. So her and some other female prisoners were demanding better treatment for the inmates. This is her first time behind bars. She didn't know it was going to be so gnarly. Yeah, there's not a lot of detail on this particular hostage taking. She was new at it, so it wasn't very finessed. It ended rather quickly. Just a run-of-the-mill hostage taking. We don't really need to uh, write about it in the newspaper. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a jail thing, too. I'm sure once you're in there, it's a lot different. There's not like there's reporters going in and like investigating Tell what me about happened. The exactly yeah. it's just like another inmates acting up they went in the hole yeah. move on to the next fucking thing there's quite a bit of detail on the other ones oh really well i guess they probably oh. get crazier right mm-hmm. like it all depends how crazy they are too <laughs> yeah she was new at this yeah she was sentenced to an additional three years for this because she took responsibility for her part in it right away oh wow yeah. good for her she say accepted responsibility she's halfway out of prison she does for every single incident behind bars she pleads guilty. Well, that's why she's doing 21. Yeah. Yeah. So when her daughter was born later that same year, her security designation was changed from maximum to medium, and she was accepted into a mother-child program at the Okima Ochi, I believe it's called, Healing Lodge for Aboriginal Inmates in Saskatchewan. Okay, sorry. I'm. I, maybe I'm going back here. But she did the uh, hostage thing while she was, like, full-blown pregnant? Yes, sir. Oh my god, that's crazier. Okay, cool. That is gangster. Actually. That is gangster as fuck. Yeah, not cool. Calm your shit down. Just sit down, work on cooking that baby, take prenatals, drink she water, wanted better treatment. I assume that hydrate and moisturize. Jesus, <laughs> I assume they weren't helping her with her pregnancy, and that was probably one of the reasons why she felt it was so disgusting. 
Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, when you you have higher demands when you're pregnant. I imagine so, but I wouldn't know for sure. And and it sounds like they're giving her a chance by putting her in the medium security, right? They they even like, like it sounds like they're like, here you're gonna get your kid. You just gotta not act up. Let me guess, she acts just up. Don't shank anyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a climate thing too, right? She's Aboriginal, which means you know it's a sensitive subject right off the bat. Yeah. She's also pregnant, which means mm-hmm. there are hormones involved. Hormones are frightening. Pregnant women are sympathetic. You know, um, despite the fact that she was involved in this hostage taking, they did. They changed her designation, which wouldn't normally happen. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Sounds like a chance, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, generally, I mean, um, most, I think this, the CSC tries to be sympathetic towards pregnant inmates as much as they can. I think so. I think you can live with your child for a certain amount of time inside the prison. A lot of them. Yeah. They do have a, a mother program where your child mm-hmm. is in the prison with you. Not in America. No. Nope. Gonzo, as soon as you have it, yeah. Down here, you become like the most hated person on the block when you got a baby crying at two a.m. You know, I don't know if I want to be. And being on a plane with a baby would be really tough. Is really tough, but being in a jail, like, oh my god, yeah, screw that. Oh yeah, that would be tough, man. I think they have to isolate them or something. Yeah, all the mothers live on one ward, at least in this in this situation she was in, and I assume it's standard, but I don't know. Um, all the mothers live in one ward, one block. Craziness. I think that's also to protect the children. I think in the States, a big reason that they won't let you have your child in prison is because of the lawsuit risk. They don't want to spend the money, not only to help pay for the child, but also because if something happens to the child, the family can sue. Yeah, that makes sense, right? Money, 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 money. In the States, right? Just another thing to sue for. It's great. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's why I love America, man. I love it. They just like, we'll get you. Or we'll we'll love you, but we'll get you too. But we'll love you. That's why I love America. We have no love here. All hate, yo. For Hollywood, yes, we do. But when I was in the jail there, they loved me because I was Canadian. They're like, oh, Canadian. Oh, funny guy. Hey, nice guy. Right. And it was just like, oh, yeah. So you have to play the nice, funny Canadian all the time. It's, it was hilarious. But then they leave you out of the gang riots and shit. So it's really good. If if you do that here, we will tell you to go back to your country. Yeah, you'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. With pleasure. Yeah. Canada's yeah. a nice place. Canada's a very nice place. Yeah, too nice. Let me see. Okay, so she's at the Healing Lodge. During her stay at the Healing Lodge, she was actually even allowed an escorted trip away from prison grounds to take her daughter to see her family. So they were they gave her quite a bit of liberty during mm-hmm. these early years. But a year into serving her sentence, she unfortunately was caught smoking weed and using Valium while her child was in the daycare. And that is, there's no strike system here. You get caught using drugs, they take your child away. End of story. And they did. Unless it's government weed. If you're smoking government weed, then it yeah, I guess okay. it wasn't medicinal in 2001. No, she yeah. was toast. She was. And they took yeah. her child. They gave her to her sister. Endless amounts of trauma, eh? Mm-hmm. And keeping it in the family. Sounds legit. Yeah. So uh, very soon after, like almost immediately after they took her child away, she and another inmate took a guard hostage and attempted to escape. So the other inmate apparently struck the guard in the head with a sock containing pieces of metal, which I guess is a common prison weapon. 
Ouch. Soap bar, I heard. Yeah. yeah. Soap bar. And yeah. Uh, then Renee stole the guard's keys and radio. So wait, you're telling me that a, uh, a lady who just lost her baby, who just happens to be an inmate, acted out after they took away her baby? Mm-hmm. Huh. Wow. I'm shocked. At the same time, though, I mean, there is a level, as a parent, there's a level of accountability that, you know, the fact that she managed to go so long, I think, whether it was without being caught or whether it was indulging, I think is impressive. But at the same time, it's, you made a choice and you have to live with that choice. But she only had two more years to go. Your child won't even remember that you weren't there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's bizarre, hey? Like, it's funny when you grow up in kids, like in Mexico, the kids grow up there. So if your parent's in there for like 10 years, the kids are 10. And so there was kids running around the prison everywhere. Like, it it was weird. And they run around bare feet and they just grow up in there. Hey, and it was just, yeah, it was really crazy. So you think about these years, the six, seven, eight years they spend the beginning in prison (laughs) growing up with all the criminals, all the guys in there, right? It's... It's nuts. I couldn't imagine what kind of you know kid is going to come out of that. It's unbelievable. Oh, uh, in North Korea, you can get you can for like stealing bread. You and your next three generations have to spend the fucking time in a labor camp. So like your kids' kids pay for your fucking and they live in jail their whole life. Like so crazy. There's like put it this way: Canada's pretty fucking good compared to a lot of places in the goddamn world. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we still get TV. She could have been in a worse prison. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could have been in America. Well, yeah. certainly she was in the healing lodge. So she was already, it was already much better than a lot of prisons. And yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. This whole situation sucks. You know, there's a YouTuber yeah. actually who was in a women's prison. She had her baby in prison. She shaped up and got out. And I, it would be so nice if this is how it went for all of them. Her baby didn't even, she wasn't even forming memories by the time she got out. You know, and it could have been this for her, but this just isn't what happened because they were not intervening her behavioral issues whatsoever. Tragic. So what happened to her? Uh, Well, she pled guilty to this. The guard managed to escape and, you know, uh, and she said, I did it because as she did it, the other one, I did it because I wanted better treatment this time. It's I did it because they took my baby away. Wow. And so she got another four years for that. So she is up to nine years. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So uh, over the next three years, she accumulated eight more years in four separate institutions. Wow. So in 2004, she was placed on the management protocol. And so that is a Canadian thing. It's part of the CSC. And I'll explain what it is. Uh, She ended up there because uh, one situation or no, two, two incidents in 2002, one where an inmate uh, was tied up, beaten and cut with glass. And then another where Renee slashed an officer's face with a razor blade. There was then another incident in 2003 where Renee and another inmate beat an intellectually disabled inmate with a metal bar and a wooden broom handle. And then another incident in 2004 where Renee put another inmate in a chokehold and then threatened to kill her with a toothbrush shiv. And so this got her placed on the management protocol. She is still not a dangerous offender at this point. Wow. It escalated though. Yeah. Escalated heavily. Yeah. Oh yeah. And what were her becauses? Do we know? Because they took my baby away. Oh, for the rest of the four. For the rest of her life. 
basically. Gotcha. Wow. Imagine, imagine being that kid now too. Cause like she probably interested and nobody wants to bring her there. Like, I wonder if she goes and visits, like, I wonder if there's her daughter. Yeah. Uh, between uh, 2001 and 2011, she saw her once she was brought to the prison. Yeah. Wow. Bad. That is really tragic. And you know, the crazy part is she's going to grow up like thinking her mom is this crazy gangster the whole time. Right. She like, is. right. She like is. her mom is a crazy gangster. Yeah. She's And, and the cycle continues. Yeah, it would. Cause you would be angry that you weren't with your mom. You know, eventually you're going to be like, Oh, they took me away from my mom. So now you create this angry person. Right. Yeah. Abandonment issues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's sad. It's super sad. Like anyway, so far, this is very sad. Yeah. I feel bad for Renee. Well, Mike, you actually might have some insight into this. These incidents are very typical of the prison experience. Uh, incidents like this where inmate on inmate violence, especially, and then minor scuffs with guards. Mm. You know, none of this is cutting off someone's head and using it as a soccer ball. No, but it's getting it's getting to that point. You know, we had indigenous guys in there who had never been treated nicely by a Caucasian person. And so their entire life, they'd grown up hating any culture other than their own. And any, any, any white people, any black people, they just never had good experiences. Right. So, you know, that's, that's the whole issue. You know, it's, it's really sad for indigenous people in Canada because, you know, right from the very, very start, they have a really uh, bad, you know, less opportunities than everybody else. Right. So you just create these really negative feelings with people, right? Like it's crazy. It's really where it all starts. You know, is to give people a good start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't help but question. You know, I'm an American, so I know the American prison systems. I don't know anything about Canadian, but um, I just can't help but like wonder, with my knowledge, like how many of those guards that she went after, like were raping her friends or her. It happens. At this point, it was only one guard. I mean, it was there was the one that she because she was trying to escape, but that was you know self serving. Uh, and then the officer that she um, attacked with the razor blade, excuse me, it's unclear why, but generally um, her attorney said that everything that she ever did, any incident, anytime she lashed out, it was usually for a slight against another inmate. She was standing up for another inmate. Mm. Uh, her attorney also said that she did these, all these situations where she acted out were after she had taken her grievances through the bureaucratic channels and yeah. just had been sort of met with disinterest. Um, yeah. Whether or not that's true, this is her attorney. We really have to take everything he says with a grain of salt. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of truth to that. Like just the anger that comes in because you don't get answers into your own life. You know, like I did these psych, psych tests and it came out that I'm, pure psychopath right like 98% on the list and it's like I'm not but this is what they think about me so my whole time was always based on you know you're a manipulator no whenever even you know as a writer you know like I was I started writing I wrote a book when I was in there and I got out and said you know I want to get out and write for tv and movies and I was shut down they're like no shut down lost my parole stay in for another 18 months right because they were just like no like you're not 
we don't want you getting better. We don't want you. We want you to conform. You know what I mean? It's really about com- conforming. And then if you don't conform, then they treat Renee like that because she was a non-conformist. So it's just like, fuck it. We're just going to go and ruin your life. Then you're not going to conform, right? Mm-hmm. And you start doing stuff against guards. They're not going to make your life easy either. They're going to make your life harder than you need to. Than it really needs to be overall. They make them right? hard. They make it hard anyway. No, I know, but I mean, it's already hard. And then you cut a guard's face with a razor blade. What do you think is going to be harder? The girl who did not or the girl who did cut someone's fucking face? I think the girl who cut the fucking guard's face is having a harder time while they're in there. I think that's just easy math, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you got to look at from guards too. And I never looked at it from their perspective, but think about their job. Like most of them are police officers that didn't make it. So they go into the next level or they're military guys you know, that just have no other options. So they get into correctionals and, you know, they're not emotionally, you know, intelligent people. Majority of the time they're or in- invested or invested. And, you know, you think about what they got to do. They got to strip search a hundred men, you know, and look in their butts, you know what I mean? And put on gloves and like, they got to do all this stuff. Like what kind of human are you creating on that side as well? Yeah. that have to roam with keys and be all powerful and you know yeah you get paid 20 dollars an hour to do all this it's not even like barely pays your mortgage you just go because you have to no other options i i get the whole thing it's just like it's brutal it, it's it's a, such a systemic problem that like prison is so fucking unethical just in general it doesn't make any sense uh because it doesn't help anything like all the money we spend on prisons we could be spending on rehab and like helping people right but we don't it's just punishment and money. Things things white people like. There are there are reasons to have like places to put super dangerous ass scary people. But I don't think this Renee I think this Renee girl got pushed to that limit, right? I don't I don't think she started out as a super dangerous offender. I think she got made into that by her environment and what she had to deal with. But I could be wrong. I haven't heard the whole story yet, but just by what I hear so far, she was shitty upbringing and then like just snowballed scary yeah so she's placed on the management protocol so the management protocol is okay the theory behind the management protocol is that women are inherently social and they rely more on interpersonal relationships than male offenders do and so the management protocol controls high-risk female prisoners and allows the Department of Corrections to keep them in segregation for as long as they are under it. And so um, the belief is that this will have a greater impact on the behavior of women. And while she was under this, an intensive intervention strategy was used to try and get her behavior under control. And one of those programs specifically, the psychiatrists that come in and do this are highly trained and there's a zero tolerance policy for aggression. Um, Clearly, she's aggressive. She didn't last long under it. Basically, she she took a very, very long time to get out of phase one of this program. So she spent 23 hours a day in solitary confinement for the entire first two phases of this treatment. Here's here's the deal. Six years. That's how long she was in segregation. Straight. Six years. That's worse than death. I think that's worse than fucking just put a bullet in my head. Don't put me in a room for 23 hours a day. I'm done. Just end me. That's fucking bad. Yeah, I've done that so many times, man. I've been locked up for like a month at the time. Like it's, 
it, it is the one thing that's the breaker, right? And that comes from back in the day when they wanted to break people. So they just isolate them and then it became regular, right? They're not just go to the hole, go to the hole. It just became, it's now outlawed in Canada. You can't do that anymore. You can't put people in segregation for more than I think 24 hours or, or something yeah. like that. And yeah. they found that it's inhumane and, you know, and, you know, but you think all those years of all these people just suffered, right? Yeah, studies studies have shown that isolation is the highest form of punishment. It is not death. It is isolation because for some reason people can't survive without people. I don't know why. I mean, I just know that that's what the psychology book said. <laughs> and and Renee is like become getting this isolation from this and just getting more and more damaged and then she has to fucking deal with the repercussions of being more and more damaged by the system. It's fucked. It's so fucked. Well, and this all started with a bombshell that her mom was her grandma. Exactly. And her mom, her mother was actually murdered. Like it was a violent, In a very death. violent way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just a classic story. Yeah, it, it is. And it's really tragic to say that it's a, it's a classic story. It's pretty average. In a soap opera. I don't mean to scoff at it, but no, but it's, live but, it, learn it fucking deal with it yeah you fucking deal with it and you know the the other thing is you can't really help it like it's a it's okay to care and to be bleeding but you got to also live in reality the fact that these things happen in the world and they're happening and they're and you know it's hard you can't get over it you can't do a lot to do with it all you can do is be grateful for what you have yourself and i say the word grateful again but really you just wake up every day in jail and you're like okay thankful that you know i'm alive you know what i mean and i have a chance and right we, we need to teach people that i feel like the achievement of getting out of prison would be higher than moving up these ranks yeah like what's more of an incentive knowing yeah. you're staying in forever or knowing there's a chance yeah Oh yeah. Big time. Like people have literally, yeah. Knowing there's a chance it's, you have seen grown men cry getting jobs. Like it's, it's, it's really shocking when you see stuff like that, you know, mm -hmm. people being nice. And I've never, you know, 60 year old man that I know I deal with is never, never, no one's ever been nice to him. He's black and he's really big and everybody just call him names. And he's so passive and he just doesn't know what to do. And he's, no one's ever been nice to him. Like in 60 he's like 60. You know, it's bizarre, you know, but this is, these are the people that come in our system, right? Yeah. But, you know, Renee, so did Renee, so where's Renee now? She's in, the, in, in Winnipeg or something, right? Uh, I can't remember where she is right now. I think she's in Nova. Wow. I think she was under management protocol for most of it in Nova. Uh -huh. Someone help her write a book. I don't know. Jeez. I don't know about that. I uh, the last media she did, she was on a podcast in 2019. Oh, wow. That was the last I heard from her. Um, but we'll keep going here. So she, um, while she was in segregation, because it wasn't uh, like a penalty, exactly, mm -hmm. it was just sort of, it was supposed to be to establish routine and then you can adjust behavior once you've established a routine. So she actually, she had a television and a stereo in her cell and she was she had access to writing instruments all kinds of things really um basically everything she would have in in the max um wing but in isolation but uh her only socialization besides interacting with the guards was occasionally yelling through the walls at the other prisoners in segregation and 
Richard, you might remember this. One of those prisoners was Ashley Smith, and she was the subject of a very brutal inquest in Toronto in 2007. I don't remember that. No, Ashley Smith. I'll tell you about her. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. So uh, I will just give you the backstory on Ashley. She's an important character in this as far as I'm concerned. So Ashley Smith was born in New Brunswick and raised by her adoptive parents, Coralie Smith and Herbert Gober. When she was 13 or 14, she started acting out and she ended up in youth court 14 times in just two years for minor offenses. Uh, She had quite a reputation as a bully at school. And she was very impulsive and disruptive in public places. And she would lash out at people whenever she was confronted. So she was like banned from all the malls, for example. At home, she would uh, rebel against her parents by consistently racking up long distance phone charges, upwards of $1,000 every month. And she would use the family computer to look at porn. And I don't think it's because she was interested in the porn. I think it was just because she was acting out. She wanted the attention. Negative attention is attention. Yeah, I have I have a joke right now that you can uh, kids have so much power they don't even know they had. Like back in the day, I used to threaten my parents if you start if you say stuff like that, I'm going to call CAS on you. Now kids just have to type in the thing like child pornography, and then I'm going to jail. <laughs> like kids have so much power they don't even know that they have it. So yeah. this girl figured that out pretty good. <laughs> I'm acting out with the porn thing. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, she was she was not stupid. This girl. Uh, in 2002, her offenses escalated when she was charged with placing harassing phone calls. And then she was removed by police after showing up at a teacher's house and banging on the door. And so she came there with the intent to harm the teacher. Is that who the threatening calls were to? Uh, no, she was a bully. Those were to other girls. Or she, or she was watching so much porn. She's like, I'm going to go get that teacher. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Like you never know. Like that could have been it. Teacher porn's a thing. Teacher porn is a thing. Right? Definitely. People like teachers, I tell ya. She had a whole, she went through a ton of different schools. She just kept being kicked out of different schools, including schools specifically for girls with behavior problems. Yeah. So uh, very turbulent. In 2003, she was entered into an intensive support program, but she was released early because she was demanding and physically aggressive with the other patients and the doctors. Yeah, so let's let her out. So they're out. Yeah. And so they were like, not our problem anymore. They let her out early. A lot of people say that if she'd been kept in for the entire time, this actually could have been the difference. I don't think that's true, but hindsight. I don't think that's true either. I think it just made, I don't think uh, incarceration really helps that much. Honestly, I think there's better ways to do it. So I, I think letting her out was probably the better idea, honestly. She needed to be taught better outlets to channel her anger to like, chucking stuffed animals at a wall or something. that was part of the intensive program the biggest problem was that because of her age all of these programs were school too and school was the thing that she was rebelling against the most hmm. so they just refused to change their re- approach well it's a problem like because didn't... legally you have to educate people of that age it is required by law you can't just be like okay well she's not working out in school i'm just gonna take her out that is so crazy because i know Okay, I'm a little older now, (laughs) but when I was in school, um, the juvenile like kids that went to juvie, they had truancy charges, which meant they like missed too much school to the point where they had to be like reformed, but it wasn't even reforming. They just put them in a rec room Mm -hmm. all day long, all day. 
There was no schooling involved. Doesn't matter as long as the paperwork says there was. Oh, God, that is just. Oh, can someone please take this dagger out of my fucking heart? <laughs> I, I think I also think that school is built for certain people, too. It's not built for everyone the way they do school now. It's it's a way to, like, show you you must get up and uh, at nine o'clock in the morning and work till five o'clock and come home. It's, it's a schedule to put yeah. you into society. Not everybody works that way. So there's got to be a better way for this girl. If she does, she hates school. Don't make her get Robin Williams in there, you know, teaching you like, like, oh, you didn't even know you learned a lesson today. And you're like, what? You know, like we just did your taxes. No, you didn't. Yeah, we did. Like, you got to find that person. People not put them in a classroom. That's fucking stupid. Like, yeah, so bad. And it's like, it's getting to the point now where you don't even need school, really. Like you just have Google. Like, why do you even need school? You just need to play. Go out and play in Google, which is what all kids do anyway, right? So, like, it it just seems that the the school's antiquated. Like, the whole model is, like... School is a complementary structure for the workforce. School exists because the parents need it to, not because the kids do. And it's just to keep it going, too. Like Richard said, it's the cycle. Yeah, yeah. And COVID exposed how much school was just basically a glorified babysitting by teachers. There's uh, my kids did maybe a half an hour worth of work a day. And the rest of the day was them just like the teachers being like, I don't know how to fill time anymore without you guys just being able to talk to each other. Uh, and you could see it. It was such an exposure of like, I'm sorry, uh, you don't do that much at that like when you read these report cards it's like a fucking paragraph like this long on gym class get the fuck out of here (laughs) okay i saw what you did for gym class especially during covid here's a video of yoga do that for a half an hour and then call me back and tell me you did it like that's not school that's babysitting okay all of my gym teachers were fat all of them (laughs) mine were beefy it was bullshit oh like beefy like they actually ripped gym like fat jacked all of my gym teachers. Oh. Like they could fuck you up, but they were all overweight. Military. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mine had short shorts. I'll never forget the <laughs> Yeah, I'll never forget the short shorts that one teacher would have. And it's like, dude, that must be illegal. Like that's a visual assault. And as a child, fuck <laughs> it. You know what I mean? It it really tormented us. The whole uh forget his name, Mr. Edwards or something, ball sack. We called him ball sack. <laughs> yeah it was hilarious man and you know yeah and I, even now in canada they don't do pe you don't have to do it no it's 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 taken away now yeah. you don't have to do it. you don't like it okay you have to run oh god forbid you know take an uber man we used to have to swim for gym class i was like i am not getting my fucking hair wet i spend so much money on this shit i'm not going in that water and they would try to push me in oh i i punched a teacher once I got in no trouble, though, because I got wet and I did not want to be wet. And that's all I had to say. I was like, I didn't want to go in the pool. And all of a sudden I was in the pool. That's a lawsuit, though, because you could drown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could swim. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's still a lawsuit. You could have hit your head. Same teacher chucked a freaking dodgeball at my ear. The older (laughs) I get, the more sympathy I feel for gym teachers, honestly. (laughs) Teenagers fucking suck. I wasn't even a teenager. I was 12. It doesn't matter. You're just, you're, you represent all of them. You were just a stationary target. Yep. We've had a lot of 12 year olds, like impacts here, like people being impacted at 12. 
you know? Yeah, 12. And on both of the girls. And then you at 12, me, my first, my first crime was 12 years old. It was bank fraud. I was 12. <laughs> it's kind of the, the number of the night here. When I was 12, I used water balloons to give myself titties. That's fucking genius. Me too. <laughs> absolutely drinking beer by 12. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, absolutely. It. Water balloon titties. Yeah. Yeah. Bank fraud and drinking beer too. Yeah. I was 12 years old. Water balloon titties. Fuck. This must have felt great though. Cause when you were a boy and you were feeling that as a boy, you would have been in like heaven. You were like this. You wouldn't know the difference, right? I don't think Celeste let anyone touch her. It wasn't for, oh. I was a virgin until I was 18, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing make believe. I'm, look, I'm Dolly Parton. At 12, I'm pretty sure I already had boobs. <laughs> so did I, but the water balloons were bigger. Oh, I get ya. I get ya. Yeah. Never did that. I was very 12 when I was 12. So skateboarding <laughs> and drinking beer and graffiti. I don't know. I don't know what planet I'm on most of the time. So it's all good. I'm 28 and I'm still scared of like everything. If my mom is like, use my credit card to buy something. I'm like, I can't, that's illegal. I can't sign your name. <laughs> Mom. You can literally just write X. And you you got to set a list of things that you're going to like rebel out on and just make that list and, and fulfill it. I smoked when I was 18. That was rebelling for me. The last oh, I didn't know, I never. <laughs> yeah, I'm white bread. You got lots of life left to, to write off a bucket list. There's so many marijuana plants. We got nothing to worry about. My life ever <laughs> completely falls apart, man. Heroin. Heroin sounds awesome. 70. That's when I start doing heroin. If I yeah. still have like grandkids and shit, I'm not going to do heroin. My life has to completely fall apart. And then heroin will be my first choice. Feeling like feeling like someone just dumped a freaking giant vat of hot fudge and then falling asleep is not my go-to. It's just not. <laughs> it sounds awesome. It is awful. The majority of people who get addicted to heroin are because they have sex on heroin. How? Sex. They're asleep. I don't have to worry about that. I'm good. Yeah. How are they fucking while they're asleep? No, no. Trust me. It's sex on heroin is like addicting. It's one of the more addicting feelings. I've never done it personally, but my friends who have been addicted. and I really don't even see how it's possible. It's, yeah. I guess at the beginning, people feel it. And that's a big factor, right? Because they keep chasing that that feeling with heroin. Pretty, yeah, pretty intense. I, I can't do it. I grew up thinking heroin was like, oh, you know, you get addicted first time you, you try it, right? So you're like, oh, always so scared of it. And even to this day, I would never. Mm-mm. Scary, man. Scary. You're starting to a puddle. It's ridiculous. It's the most dumb addiction I've ever heard of. I mean, I get it. I get addiction. Don't get me wrong. I'm a fucking alcoholic. Okay. But I'd rather be like up and with it. No, yeah. I'm an introvert and I love to sleep. Heroin is, is, is sounds perfect for me. See, I'm an introvert and I sleep anyway. <laughs> if I could sleep all the time, man. Alcohol is a downer. Just so you know. It is. Why, yeah. You know, it's I mean. in the same it's in the same category as like opiates, though. Yeah, but yeah, I know that it does make me very depressed and anxious the next the next day. It's like the the uh, withdrawal has like the negative effects. But like, well, I'm fucking drinking. Yeah. Ooh, oh hell yeah! Also, I like benzos, but <laughs> <laughs> and together. Yes. Know? 
yeah. makes for a really fun night. Fuck that. Yeah, it's tough. I, I went through my, I was in jail my entire twenties. So I didn't get into the drinking stage of life. Right. So I never really got into it. Right. I, I'm just the weed smoker. I smoke lots of weed and then just relax. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's my lifestyle. It's my lifestyle. The booze. Fuck. It's tough, man. I'm just such a lightweight when it comes to drinking, man. I'm such a lightweight. Make sure you have the buddy system down. Buddy system. Fuck. Yeah. What yeah. other advice do I have? Oh, don't abandon your vehicle. If you're out there in the cold. Or do if you're drunk. Yeah, well, if you're drunk, you're fine. As we established. Yeah, you live. Saved a life. That was the girl in the car. That was a great episode. Thank you. Jean Hilliard, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so she was... Uh, a, uh, no. Yes, okay, so she was actually incarcerated in a prison for the first time in 2003. And she was, uh, she was charged with assault, trespassing, and causing a disturbance. So while in custody, she would regularly threaten self-harm. And so anytime that she was incarcerated, she would be placed in segregation with all of her potential threats removed. Uh, So she was released from that stint. I don't know how long she was in prison for, but she, what? This is not right. Fuck me. I I fucked up my script. All right. What is she? She was... She went in in 2003. Oh, so this wasn't prison. I'm thinking of the wrong time period. She wasn't put in prison until 2006. Or not 2006, 2000 and... Yeah, six. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I just wrote this last night. Usually I do a dry run. Anyway, okay. So she was put in juvie for the first time in 2003 for those things. She threatened self-harm, blah, blah, blah. So at some point after she was released, she was removed from her home and placed with a series of foster families. And so uh, from what I can gather, this was her, her parents, they were adoptive, but they were still her parents uh, couldn't handle her anymore. They put her in foster care. Uh, And so she would be in foster homes between short stints at the New Brunswick youth center. Imagine being that big, sorry, imagine being that big piece of shit where you're like, well, I can't handle them anymore. Better drop them off at the foster home. Like, fuck you. You're a piece of shit. Parents like go fuck yourselves. I don't know. Honestly, I have really mixed feelings about that. She's costing them a thousand more than a thousand dollars every single month. She refuses to cooperate with anyone. She's obviously violent. She's getting bigger. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I mean, there is a line. Yes, you're a parent forever. But when you can no longer be a parent to somebody. If you're being a parent, your kids aren't going to be doing that kind of shit. So you already had problems before you dropped her off at fucking foster care. In my opinion, the kids that are watched and uh, the ones that I know, the ones that have the parents that are active and fully into their life are not the ones that are the bad ones. It's the ones that put, uh, tell you to go outside and don't talk to me until fucking seven o'clock and uh, bring me a beer. That's not true. Not with her. Uh, her childhood, actually, they were a very involved family. They went camping all the time. They went on uh, family vacations all the time. It was like a very, uh, I, I don't want to say normal because it was actually above normal. It was actually quite a privileged childhood that she had where they did stuff together all the time. Well, that's a very interesting, like, it just in true crime in general, that's a very rare occurrence it's not like a a normal thing that is that is the outlier 
what you're oh, saying yeah. to me yeah is the fact that she's been treated very nicely and she's still acting out crazy so she must have a lot of mental health issues then yeah and still like in that stigmatized heavily stigmatized area where they don't want to accept that like her hormones and chemicals and all that shit is changing rapidly yeah. because a lot of the times it onsets with puberty being a teenager is very hard yeah for sure but i just don't like the dropping off at fucking foster men i would try everything for yeah. my kids i would try every last thing i would deal with it right to the end i'd pay every last dollar i could to try and do something to help this situation versus just drop them off in a foster care and go like that'll save me a thousand bucks a month you know like uh, well it was kind of easy back then like they could just <laughs> drop kids off right like they, they made it easy because they were creating an industry you know social services there was this social services was what it was called right growing up and they never had that before that kids would just go out on the street you know you're 12 you're out on the street surviving rolling around the streets you know what i mean trying to trying to fucking scrap and try to make a name for yourself right and and they just saw so many kids doing it so they had to create this foster system i was i was in 17 foster homes growing up and it was hilarious because when i that was before the age of 17 so from like 11 to 17 I was in 17 foster rooms and it's funny because at the end, they just kick you out. Like how you were saying with the motel, they yeah. would actually give me a welfare check at 16 years old and say, okay, now go, just go, go and you know, whatever, go fend for yourself. Right. And it was just the biggest cash cow. You can just now looking back, you're like this foster system. It's all it was, was cash cow. You know, I was with a foster family that had five foster kids mm-hmm. at once, right? And they didn't talk to us. They did nothing, you know, like nothing, nothing. And it's like, you're just a cash cow. Well, that's know? why you get so many so that they take care of each other and you don't have to do anything. Yep. And yeah, you get more checks, obviously. Yep. But oh, yeah. yeah, it's a tough situation, but I also, I feel for them. There's probably also a lot of expenses with, because they did put her into all those intensive programs and things like that. I think at some point there is just a line. And I mean, we don't know. At some point it's possible she also tried to kill them or threatened to kill them. Um, And obviously they're not going to rat her out for that because. Well, and what teenager do you know that isn't private, like completely private? Like they're not going to tell you if they experienced a trauma or some sort of abuse. And it could have been in the family. It could have been her dad's brother. It could, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and they're yeah. just not going to disclose that to, to their parents because maybe they're not asking or maybe they don't want to hurt them Yeah, and tell them that someone that they also love hurt them mm-hmm. so that it just becomes like some crazy conflicted feeling where you want to take it out on the person closest to that person that you can gain access to. Yeah. There is also no tit bond here. They are still adoptive parents. And so there is, you know, yes, for like, I could see myself for Jack doing everything, but and up to a point, it would depend if he did something horrible to another person and had no remorse. I'm not going to stand by him. Yeah. You know, it's a tough situation. But anyway, that's not really the point here. This is supposed to be a side tangent. Sorry, I, I just anyways i just i get it i can't imagine i can't imagine just going like i'm done like okay yeah yeah Yeah. this wasn't right away though this was this was three four years after she started getting in trouble with the law yeah Um, yeah 
Let's see. Okay, so by 2004, uh, in her various stints in the New Brunswick Youth Center, she had attempted self-harm while in custody over 150 times. And so she ended up being allowed no possessions and spending most of her time in a wrap, which is a protective body bag. And so as a result of, of basically this complete robbery, robbery of any of her liberty, she would assault the guards whenever she was able to. And so basically after 2004, she never got out again. She was transferred to the St. John Regional Correctional Center in 2006, as soon as she turned 18, and her aggression and self-harm continued to escalate. Uh, She was transferred to two other prisons and then back to Nova Scotia, where she committed suicide on October 19th, 2007. She hanged herself with a strip of cloth, despite the guards watching her on video monitors and allegedly the guards were told not to enter her cell or provide any medical help and the paramedics were not called for at least an hour wow so the prison put a dnr on her no i mean not technically this was just uh... they said don't enter the room yes they said don't don't intervene is what they were told by their supervisor DNI, DNR, what's the difference? <laughs> what's the R mean, Tally? <laughs> Resuscitate. Okay, I thought you were, didn't know. You're just like, DNI, is it I? <laughs> no, no, I'm asking. Do not intervene, do not resuscitate. What's the difference? Yeah, yeah. Well, they kind of, they do that because they know that they're better. Well, they probably went like, she's just, they probably made the, there's no way to help this girl and this is the only way to help her just I think the justification she had been in this prison before but she uh, was transferred to another prison and because of her record and because obviously with the high turnover rate of guards I think she came in with this status that she had she wasn't she was never labeled a dangerous offender but with the status that she had and the guards were not familiar with her she was in yeah. segregation because of her status. And so I think the reason that the supervisor said not to enter her cell was because her record showed that she actually would be a reasonable threat that this was she was faking so that she could assault guards again. And they didn't want the guards to get hurt. And so I believe the guards were like, well, they said that as long as she's still breathing, she's probably faking and she's probably going to try to harm us. And so just leave her alone until we know for sure that this is actually... A serious and that's problem. actually that's actually reasonable in my opinion I, uh, like what's it worth to get stabbed this girl's already done some crazy shit right like is it worth her attacking you just yeah yeah because you can get like sepsis or whatever from a big old puncture wound or just you know? die if it was if it's in the right spot right right yes but i would assume she has like a toothbrush or something that she filed down with her teeth she's relatively new these guards aren't familiar with her that's the biggest problem. If she was still at the same prison she was at before, this wouldn't have happened because they know her. Yeah. Okay. Maybe is that could that be a reason for the moving around so much? We'll actually get into it. There's a very interesting aspect okay. to this story. Cool. Uh, so Renee met Ashley uh, in in Nova in the prison in Nova Scotia in November of 2006. Uh, they were segregated together and they became. Quite good friends, actually. Um, According to Renee, Ashley would cover her windows frequently uh, to the point where the prison actually had to install windows that could be removed so that when she had covered them, they could just take the 
pane of glass out and put a new one in. And you can imagine what she was covering it with, considering she wasn't given anything. Mm -hmm. um, so Renee said that she actually had to stand up for Ashley quite a few times because uh, when she was on her period, they wouldn't give her pads, underwear, or tampons um, because it was a threat. You have to mm. earn them by not self-harming kind of thing. And they would only give her 10 sheets of toilet paper at oh. a time. Because you can swallow more than that. Yes, it was all you have to earn it by not self-harming. And so uh, she ap apparently got written up for standing up for after that. Uh, she got written up a second time when Ashley showed up in segregation with a broken nose after the guards had gotten rough with her. Um, and according to Renee, the other prisoners hated Ashley because the guards were always busy stopping her from hurting herself and they weren't available to escort prisoners uh, in the max ward to their extra rec time or to just basically any place that they needed to be escorted to based on their status. So people were waiting for ages because they, they had so many guards assigned to Ashley. Wow. wow. Yeah. I have no words for that. It's, it's just mind blowing what they think is right. You know, like where do you who comes up with this stuff like and how to treat people it's just mind all that money and all that time could have just been used so much more efficiently with just like a social worker and like a therapist and yeah time at home you know yeah yeah, yeah. someone who understands the mind like they did that you guys have you heard about that rat experiment they did in vancouver like about five six years ago they they took a bunch of rats and they put him in a shitty, ugly cage. And in that cage, you they had a, a, a water dropper. And in the water dropper was heroin drops. And so they, they had these 10 rats. And these rats would be in this really shitty, ugly cage. And they'd go and they'd eat the, uh, the heroin out of the dropper. And they'd fight over it. And they that's all they do. They wouldn't go to food. They wouldn't go to water or anything. And then they take them out of this... Uh, ugly environment they put him in a nice beautiful cage with greens and a wheel and food and just everything and then they put that heroin dropper back in there but then the rats didn't go to the heroin dropper they started eating the the food and they started playing and they actually got healthy right yeah, because yeah. the environment it was so nice right and they're they know this about us but yet they still continue to put us in shitty environments right and i i really think that it's just old hat we need to get women in charge and we need to change a bunch of things because old white men boomers out yeah we need to put young and progressive women in charge man it's never been a problem uh when women are in charge there's never been wars there's always been success in countries look at new zealand look at all these places right we need to we need to put women in charge man it's I, i'm i'm a huge huge advocate for it because i think that is like the x factor thing that will will change everything right I think I think you're right. And I, I think yeah. that the not even because like women have a history of being good leaders or whatever, but I just think it's just it's just never been done in a grand scale. Let's just do it and get it and like let's get fucking moving and see what happens, right? Like I'm not saying it's gonna uh, change all the problems and war is gonna go away, but it, it's gonna be a fucking different perspective. Like a big country like Canada, uh sorry, like the states, fuck, they could use a woman president, you know. There'd be a interesting difference. Well, I think if they had a better selection than Hillary Clinton, that would also help. An yeah, election well, with several 
uh, female, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Candidates. Thank you, candidates. Uh, I think which would be revolutionary, honestly. I agree. Uh, it's just uh, Camilla Harris will be there. Biden will die soon. It'll be fun. Yeah. I don't know yeah. about that. <laughs> they kept uh, Prince Philip alive for fucking ever. Probably do the same yeah. thing with Biden. These cabal, mm. these old white men with all their stem cells injecting into their hamster blood. All their... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you in the next 15 years, we're going to have an indigenous leader in Canada that's going to be a woman. We better fucking Jesus. Christ. We don't even have an indigenous. We don't even have an indigenous candidate. No, I know. That's the funny part. But that's never mind a part. woman. Never mind a woman. Like we don't even have a we don't even have a woman candidate. We don't even have a women candidate. Never mind indigenous. Which is also somehow a minority being a woman. Isn't there more women than men on earth now? There's so much more women. It's ridiculous. Doesn't make sense. It hasn't happened. Women gonna rise up. Something has to change. Mm-hmm. And it will change everything. And I think it'll we'll get rid of prisons. I think that'll be the big thing in this in your son Jack's generation is gonna be no more prisons. Rehabilitation. Yeah. yeah be gone that would be that's the dream man i would love to just see real estate and government just dedicated to rehabilitating people to maximizing people rather than capitalizing on their heart on their hurt we're just making examples of people singling out people as individuals and not as a community the focus is not what these people did it's their role in a community and, you know, yeah, some people will never be able to be rehabilitated and that's always going to be an issue, but we're going to be more prepared to handle people on the outside when we're more united, when we're as like when we're more united with the majority of them. Yeah. You know, and this us versus them thing, it doesn't work. It never works. Collectivist cultures are fantastic. I think so. Community, community, community living is the future for sure. Commune living. You're going to start seeing like pockets of villages opening up and people who love each other and just respect each other will live in these villages. Yeah. It's like a de-evolution. At some point we went too far and then yeah. it'll rain back. And I think that's sort of a natural trial and error. Oh yeah. It's, it is actually part of our evolution is to become self-aware and okay being alone. You know, we were always taught have friends and, you know, have social networks and social groups and shit. But as you start getting older, you start realizing, you know, being alone is really strong. Actually, you become a really strong person. You get to know yourself and you get to like, you know, you get things done because you don't have a bunch of people taking you away from stuff. And imagine if you had a whole bunch of individuals living together to make something happen, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's where I think it's going to start going, you know, because all this woke and self and self-awareness talk, eventually will become something it'll become a movement or a lifestyle right and you know that's when all the communes are going like you even look at what they're building they're building malls with villages underneath and residential up top yeah right so they're forcing people into commune village style living where you don't have to live just go down your elevator go and do your shopping and go to your movie and all that shit and then go back up your elevator Mm-hmm. right it's, it's part of the next evolution and they're doing this everywhere turning malls into villages right and it's just it's the next step you know we're going to get into this commune living and i think it's great i think it will really kind of weed out 
people in your life where you only be around like really truly productive, like people are on your level in your zone, right? Think your way, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, quick correction. I was mistaken. She didn't die in Nova Scotia. She no. died in Ontario. She was transferred from Nova to Grand Valley. Uh, <laughs> Grand Valley. Grand Valley. Okay. In uh, in Ontario. So tragic end to a tragic life. Very much so. And I mean, such a short one. She was 18 years old. That's horrible. Mm. So sad. Mm. Endured so much, man. Wow. That's a lifetime. That is a lifetime of shit to go through. And she was 18 and called it quits. Wow. Yeah. Very, very damaged. I would have called it quits too. Honestly, that was a lifetime yeah. of shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can only take so much, but it's amazing what the human body can take, though, too, right? Like, yeah. look at all of us sitting around. We've dealt with shit and taken a lot of shit in life, right? And now we're sitting here doing a podcast talking about it. Like, it's crazy how it can affect people in different ways. You know what I mean? Like, you could you either go this way or go that way with trauma. Never in a million years did I think I'd be sitting here talking yeah. to you. Yeah. Not a little drunk, but I'm not on the run. Yeah. So I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, you never know where you're going to end up. And that's interesting. It's an interesting part of life now. Yeah, it's the most fascinating part of life, I think, is that you don't know. Okay, so so yeah, so she spent some time with Ashley in Nova. So this is going to come up again very shortly here. But before we get into that, in the third phase of Renee's intervention, so it's three phases, the first two, she's entirely in segregation. In the third phase, she was allowed to go into the maximum security ward unshackled for periods of time. And uh, she was told that she had actually completed the program enough that she would be taken off management protocol in January of 2005. But when January came and went and she was still in segregation, she started planning another hostage taking. Ooh. Yes. So in August of 2005, Renee and one other woman, and this is one of the things that I have a lot of trouble with when I'm feeling bad for her, and I'll say that right now. Her and one other woman captured two staff members, and one of them was a nurse. Mm. And I'm not okay with that. Mm -mm. They used electrical cords and bandages to tie them to chairs. They put belts around their necks and covered their eyes with gauze. And then Renee and the other inmate force fed pills to both of them. And then Renee burned the nurse with a cigarette, cut off chunks of her hair, sprayed her in the face with air freshener, punched her in the face, and then cut her face and arms with pieces of a broken mirror. And throughout the whole ordeal, they used a toothbrush shank and the broken pieces of glass and threatened to slit their throats and gouge their eyes out. This is where she lost me, to be perfectly honest. That is a nurse. She's there helping a lot of people. This is like the Geneva Convention. This is like worldwide. Do not touch the medic. Oh, yeah. You know, this is a new thing. But I mean, that was probably her easiest target easiest because you can't be in restraints when you're being when you have an exam you know yeah and they think like anybody who works for the government is the government so it's not like you're exempt generalized you're just a victim unfortunate victim right yeah yeah but you're i agree like the nurses and doctors like oh my god i've seen them 
do and take so much. Like I've seen a, a nurse give an inmate CPR when he was covered in his own feces. Okay. So he's covered in his own feces and he gets knocked out by his guards, or whatever in the thing. And then they have to perform CPR on him. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm looking through my window at this. And I'm like, you're not putting your lips on. Wow. Like this was old CPR, right? Wow. Like that's what I mean. You look at a nurse and you go, how can you even beat that? Like, how can you beat the, you know, the, the, like, I don't even know what that's called. Like the, the character of somebody that does that. Exactly. It's, you know, I think about people jumping the gun or jumping on the bandwagon to defend veterans who do shitty things because they're veterans. Let's talk about heroes. Let's talk about nurses. Nurses are fucking heroes. Oh yeah. Agreed. Oh yeah. Yep. My wife's a nurse and I can, I can never be that fucking job. I'll tell you that much. Chrissy's a nurse. I could never do that fucking job. Yeah. Not in a million fucking years. And not in a billion fucking years in a prison. Yeah. I was a direct care support for mentally and or physically handicapped adults for six years, right out of high school. So compassion was my virtue a long time ago. Yeah. That's a top, top job. Yeah, there's a there's a max security prison here near where I live. Uh, and there's nurses there and they, they actually really like their job. They they say the inmates are really nice and it's like pretty normal day-to-day it's not like a hospital where it's like caddy bunch it's a bunch of men around them too that's the thing it's not the same 20 women that you're always stuck with right yeah so i i think being a nurse in a prison's awesome until shit like this happens right <laughs> like fuck and it should be they you should like they should be nothing but nice to these especially nurses. in the prison systems they're doing literally the absolute most they're allowed to do because mm-hmm. you can't give painkillers no. you can't do this you can't do that you know it's a lot of red tape lots of red tape in the medical field in prisons you know so you get you get those patients that are like give me what i'm asking for i'm sitting here so i want this but it's like maybe they forget that they're in some alternate reality now that's Mm -hmm. not the generalized society yeah you have rights just a lot less a lot less. And as a as a medical provider, yeah, it's yeah. just got to be so hard to tell them like, yeah, not only did your civil rights get taken away, but your medical rights got taken away, too. I'm sorry you entered the door. <laughs> it's yeah. And, you know, that's just one of the things that rehabilitation would focus more on more on. No, yeah. Speaking well, it's of- about <laughs> respect and compassion to people too, right? Like when you learn that, uh, you know, if you're stuck in an addict or a crime cycle and you don't understand about respect, like true respect of just strangers, you know, and having compassion, like that's what they need to teach people, you know, because those are the things you're not taught. You're not shown that young. So you need to learn that somehow, right? But here they are training them, you know, how to walk away. If someone's smoking a doobie, you got to walk away because, you know, it could lead you back to jail. Like this is stupid mentality that they, they teach people. And how many people learn to survive in the prison systems that get let out just to reoffend because they don't know how to survive on the outside in America? At least. It's a weeding out process where yep. the most likely to offend are also the most likely to survive. Yep. Yeah. True. It's it's a terrible system and it's totally cyclical and it's it's so deeply flawed. Um 
but we'll keep going here. Um, okay, so that was actually the incident that started the legal proceedings to have her labeled a dangerous offender. Mm-hmm. So this was her, I believe it was third, no, fourth. This is her fourth hostage taking. This is by far the most severe hostage taking. And also, I think there is a certain level in the system where there was like, this was a nurse. This is unforgivable. The guards know what they're there for. You know, the nurse isn't even armed. The nurse doesn't even have a chance. Not even a scalpel. It's sad. Very sad. Um, I feel terrible for this nurse. Uh, So the next hostage taking happened in 2007. And this was during the time when Renee was being housed with Ashley Smith. And so this is why this comes up again. Uh, While Renee was being escorted to the shower with three guards, she grabbed a female guard and held a metal shank made from a cassette tape deck to the guard's neck. And then she basically told the other guards to back off. Procedure is prisoner has a weapon back off. Uh, So she then used uh, one of the officers or the, oh my God, the guards, her own belt. She tied it around her neck. And then oh, wow. she dragged the officer to the floor where she tied her feet together with boot laces. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And so she used the belt around her neck as a means to keep control of her. Oh. So uh, she held her for two hours, during which time she demanded cigarettes, a pop, and a phone call. Uh, the other two guards did not intervene. They left. They, you know, sounded the alarm. And eventually, Renee did free the guard when they gave her a cigarette. One cigarette was all Mm. it took for this woman's moral compass, whatever it was that made her do this, to end. Wow. Yeah. Uh, She just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. And so here is another problem. Um, Ashley Smith allegedly witnessed this whole thing. And it allegedly upset her so much that during all the commotion, she was left alone in her cell and she was then found in her cell shortly after self-harming herself with um, a piece of cloth around her neck. She was choking herself and she had bounced her head off the floor so many times that she was bleeding. And so they attribute this to the stress of having witnessed this, whether or not that's true, who can say, but Because of this, because of the hostage taking, there was a huge turnover in guards, which left the prison severely short staffed. And because Ashley in particular was so demanding when it came to guards attention, she was moved from Nova, where she where she had been for quite a long time and was known to the prison in Grand Valley where she wasn't known and she died. And all of the prisoners who heard this story at Nova said this never would have happened here. And they're probably right. And so there is, unfortunately, this kind of question of was Renee indirectly responsible for this woman's death? That's another reason why she is painted so horribly in the media sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say there's a, definitely a part of it is there, but uh, she's damaged, very damaged before. And who knows? That's like saying the kingpin is yeah. responsible for an OD. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, like we, you know, unfortunately, suicide is, I think it's, fuck, it's hard to say this, but I think it's something you're born with. 
as a weird thing to say that like that 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 mentality like in, in, I think there's a bunch of different personalities that we all have and we all kind of fit into categories and and I think you know the religious type fit in the category and this and then I think there's like lost souls kind of people who are born with no chance really and they have this negative thing about them their whole life like we've known the kids like that kids who play by themselves you know and didn't really associate with other kids and I think that suicide thing is something that happens i've had so many people i know commit suicide and each one of them was always dark just always dark and i don't think it was mental or or, or anything like that i think they were just born that way you know and then they get in bad environments and then it's it's over and you know Celeste brought up in a previous episode that it takes a certain person to really turn that switch off of your self perseverance just to shut it off. Or what did you say? Take your self perseverance and flip it the bird. That's what she said. Oh, your survival instinct. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. You don't have that. It's it takes a certain person to do that for sure. It's a different motivation too. like I was talking about Ronnie McNutt where he did that because he was angry. The motivation, I think, is kind of a off the cuff thing. Yeah. You know, it's 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 whether you like, can whether you're born it. with. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. It's a really good point. It's absolutely true. There is a certain kind of person who's capable of doing it. Um, one of the things that Renee said in one of the interviews uh, that I listened to, she mentioned that Ashley, she shared the wall with Ashley and she could frequently hear her choking herself and coughing loudly and it just sort of made me think that at some point Ashley learned that self-harm was going to get her attention and intervention and whatever it is that she needed to feel validated and because I think if she's genuinely trying to harm herself you cover the window and you kill yourself as quickly as possible you don't sit there choke yourself and cough you cough mm-hmm. to get attention from the guards so they come and tell you to knock it off or whatever they do right um yeah. but you know it, you kind of wonder at some point she had to have realized that there was a line that she was gonna die right yeah. but also actually that's not true because with autoerotic as- asphyxiation people don't realize um there's a point when you're not unconscious yet where your body will be so desperately trying to stay alive that your brain can no longer control your arms or legs or anything um, oh, wow. And so they are stuck like that. That's why people can hang themselves on doors. Yeah, I've seen that actually. Yeah, yeah, uh, that. Huh? yeah. yeah. on a doorknob. Wow, yeah, scary. So it is possible that she didn't intend to die, and it was an accident because the police or the uh, the guards should have come in. She knew she was being monitored. She'd been there before. Um. Uh, so it's it's just it's a very complicated situation. She was also eighteen. And yeah. there's a point where there's common sense you just don't have at 18. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's very messy, very messy situation. And if she had still been at Nova, the fact is she most likely would not be dead, wow. which is tough. And so that also yeah. contributed to the file when they were moving to have her marked as a dangerous offender. Tragic end to, to just a common story that people don't realize is happening all around them, you know? so overlooked it's overlooked and you know this is great you know we talked about this because hopefully people will start to see like you know people around them maybe that need to have some kind of intervention or need to have some kind of talking to or you know some love shown to them 
yeah just something like i don't know for um if you, if you if you guys are familiar with the phenomenon not phenomenon whatever it is the experience of derealization um mm. so it's the feeling that the reality around you isn't reality like you are not connected to it you are like an observer within the world around you Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is just simply a sensation because all you are is a brain within a meat puppet, right? You are disconnected from yeah. the reality around you. But I think that a lot of people who act out in very loud ways is are people who are anxious and experiencing derealization and are trying to put themselves into the reality. Mm. And Um, and that's, I have no evidence for thinking this. This is just something I experience when I have panic attacks is derealization. And so something that I'll do is I will move around. I'll physically touch things. I will make my dog react to me, things like that. But, you know, some people when they're panicked, they behave extremely irrationally. And so her lashing out may have just been rooted in some sort of anxiety. Self-harm is also very grounding. It really brings you back into reality. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like, it, and like, like you said, like, it's just the amount of intervention that you make with somebody is more important. And if anybody knows people that are suffering, you have to intervene with them. You can't just walk away and say, well, you know, let the system deal with it or let this, so she's going to counseling. You can't do it, man. You have to, as, as like, if you're a sound human being, you have to uh, interact with that person and make them talk. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have to do it. Like you don't, don't just say, well, I can't or anything. No, it's like you, you have to do it because that could be the last time you ever see that person. It's crazy. It's happened many times. I regret it. I regret other, th- other things, not talking or being there for people, you know, who are troubled. Oh man. I used to party with this guy a lot, a lot. And he just died last month, um, not by suicide, but by simply not taking care of himself. He had diabetes. I never knew he had diabetes until I found out he lost his left leg five years ago. And I was like, what the fuck? So it's like, is it a lack of support system or was it a lack of him not telling anyone he had problems? Then he'd drink a fifth of whiskey. (laughs) I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, I partied hard with this guy, and then, like, by the time he freaking died, he was missing his left arm, another, uh, an eye, his tongue was disintegrated. I mean, he he just let himself go. Nobody did anything about it. Nobody said anything to him. Nobody said anything to him. They just enabled, enabled, enabled. Yeah. Here, have your have your whiskey. That's really tough. Yeah, it's really tough. And it's oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, it's there's enabling. And then there's also just that just checking in, like you said, Um, I won't name names, but somebody who knows somebody I know, uh, he he almost died just just because he was low potassium. He -hmm. had a potassium deficiency from not taking care of himself for so long that he nearly died. Wow. And it's, you know, it's still, it's still suicide, but it's passive suicide. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's so long, right? And it's right in front of your face. I even, I even said to his sister, I'm like, I'm so sorry for your loss. And she goes, eh, we all saw it coming. 
Okay, so uh, between 2009 and 2011, Renee was on trial to receive her dangerous offender designation. And so she was officially labeled a dangerous offender in 2011 and given an indefinite sentence. Uh, She apparently met with the judge just once for 20 minutes and refused to cooperate before this man, that her future was in this man's hand. She didn't even care to sit and talk to him. She just did not care. Um, She was actually the third woman to ever be labeled a dangerous offender in Canada. The first was Marlene Moore. Marlene was uh, surrendered into the juvenile correction system in 1971 at age 13 after attacking a truant officer. She was in and out of the juvenile system and then the prison system for assaults and robberies until 1985, which is when she was labeled a dangerous offender and she committed suicide in prison in 1988. The second was Lisa, I believe it's Neve, uh, who has over 20 convictions spanning over five incidents, ranging from forcible confinement to aggravated assault. All of these incidents occurred while she was waiting to be tried for a 1994 robbery. Very short period of time. She was jailed indefinitely in 1994, but her status was overturned in 1999 when she was released from prison. Uh, In 2012, this was the year after, uh, another woman, Krista Walker, was also added to the list of dangerous offenders. But Krista had brain damage from infant meningitis, which made her impulsive and violent. And she spent seven years on the list before her sentence was overturned in 2019 because she was considered too mentally ill to fit the requirements. I had a client with that exact same diagnosis, mm. infantile meningitis. Got it when he was five hours old. Yep. Wow. Yeah. He so- was violent. <laughs> But they're not in control of it. They are not. Nope. Yeah. He had no idea. As soon as he saw bruises on me, he would go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, did, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I swear I didn't do it. Because in his mind, he did not do it. He did not do it. Yeah. So that's why she was removed. Very, man. Um, so let's see here. Um, yeah. So she now, Renee, is currently the only woman still on the list. Uh, Renee took her last hostage in 2010 there are very few uh, details about that incident Um, but she does continue to utter death threats which has been a big problem this seriously reminds me of Charlie Bronson you guys ever hear this fucking guy in England he's considered Britain's most most dangerous criminal and he literally got put in jail at 19 for stealing $7 of postage and he spent 34 years in solitary confinement since. Oh, yes, I know that case. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy here, it just reminds me, this lady reminds me of him because he literally stole $8 or something like that, or eight pounds or whatever the fuck they use over there. Uh, And now he's the scariest fuck guy. Started riots, ripping roofs off the prison. Fucking like scary guy. Scary, scary guy. Over what? Postage. That's Uh, just hurts my heart a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the that's the that's the scenario for most most people. Tom Hardy played him. Oh, that's oh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, it's so so crazy, man. When you hear these stories, like, and I just think back of all the people I've met and in, in the times, and they all had tragic tragic stories. You know, way worse than mine. You know, you you just don't think a human can go through this stuff, and they do, and you know, they die. They die in prison. They die a shitty death, you know. They die alone. Yeah, they die alone. You know, it's just really tragic, you know, to interact with people like that and then just to kind of go, right? 
it's yeah it's sad like just they die alone you know you say that they do they die alone even though they haven't had privacy in decades mm-hmm. it's i can't imagine i can't imagine oh, <laughs> i really can't you never have to which is the greatest part i will never end up in jail <laughs> there are a lot of innocent people in jail a lot way too many anyone can go to jail for any reason at any time mm-hmm. so don't pay your taxes. Thank your lucky stars. I never leave my house. I'm not going to jail. <laughs> you said 75%, right? You said about 75% of people were just drug addicts. Yeah. That's just, that's unnecessary, right? But yeah. yeah. We're on what? Yeah. In Vancouver, they, uh, about three weeks ago, they were giving out free heroin and cocaine uh, downtown. What? When you got to tell me when this stuff happens. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. It was in downtown. Yeah, right. They were giving away free heroin and cocaine and mushrooms and acid and all this stuff free because they want to legalize drugs here. They want to decriminalize it and allow people to have it. So they were giving out and testing. I thought you meant in the jails. I was like, no, oh. out in the street. I I agree, and I agree. Yes, they should. I was thinking that this was going on in the prisons, and I'm like, no, no. no. I think they should just legalize <laughs> it. Never mind yeah. fucking decriminalize. Just legalize it, police it, tax it, and yeah. uh, well, see, decriminalizing the... it is a form of taxing it because you would just get a twenty five hundred dollar fine yeah. from the government. Yeah. Instead of sitting in jail, they'd be mm-hmm. far better off just legalizing it and then yeah. having people who have access to it also be in some form of social program. Yeah, yeah. and and the thing is like. Do you think it, it being illegal or decriminalized has ever stopped a crackhead from wanting crack? No. Yeah, and it so certainly never stopped the drug cartels from brutally murdering other people. Sure hasn't stopped Canadians from getting guns. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> Y'all got guns, I know it. We do. The criminals have guns, but the fact is civilians rarely die because of gun violence, which is not true in America where guns are legal. So, yes, we have socialized gun violence, like RJ said. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> just saying we have guns, but the criminals just use them on other criminals. <laughs> and in America, criminals use it on unsuspecting victims in a mall. And civilians use it on each other, wives, kids, etc. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> OK, we'll finish this up. Last thing um, in uh, two months after um, after. Renee was uh, put on the the Jesus Christ, the dangerous offender list. Dangerous offender, yeah. The management protocol uh, was dropped by the CSC, so they no longer use it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was deemed inhumane because of all the segregation, I assume. Uh, she did appeal her status. It was dismissed in 2015. She is currently being held in a maximum security wing, I believe, of the Edmonton Institution. Um, but it is possible she is in Vancouver. It is very hard to tell because privacy, because Canada takes its privacy laws very, very seriously. Oh, yeah. Um, she is allowed to socialize with other inmates on the ward, completely unshackled. And her behavior has been good. Like I said, she's been talking about podcasts. Um, they're really, she really only just says, I've learned my lesson and I'm making the most of my time. The kind of stuff you say when you want parole, right? Not like Jason Vukovic, who's just like a straight up awesome, badass, honest dude. Yeah. I, I think that uh, she still should probably be on that list. She she went she went a little <laughs> bit too far. No, but like if we're gonna, this is the game we're playing. If this is how the system we're in, I'm sorry, you kind of cut some chick's face with fucking razor blades. You took some uh, like you're done now. You did it. You went a little too far with it. 
you know, and I know it's not your fault, but I mean, it is your responsibility, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she'll actually be uh, allowed to apply for parole in like full parole in 2024. She currently is allowed to apply for day parole. I believe she did get it once, mm. um, but she does not have it currently. I wonder why. Uh, yeah. Wow. I assume it means she fucked up somehow. Yeah. Smoked, smoking the reefer. Maybe. Smoking the reefer. Um, the moonshine. Littering end. Mm. Uh, okay, so uh, Renee has admitted that she has an uncontrollable temper and that she struggles to control her impulses, um, but she still maintains that uh, all of her infractions while incarcerated can be linked back to when they took her daughter away. Mm. Um, her attorney said that while other inmates in this situation tend to resort to self-harm, Renee lashes outward because she is a survivor, um, which is the most toxic thing I've ever heard considering she could have been with her daughter again after only two years if she had just served her goddamn time. Her daughter is a teenager now. She has seen her only ever shackled to a table. Yeah. Mm. I I was just going to say, maybe she saw it as being hopeless already. As soon as they took the baby, she didn't think she was getting out to see it in two years. They're never going to let me out. Doesn't matter what I do. Doesn't matter how nice I am because that's the environment she's in. Uh, There's some, there's some sympathy for me on that. Like I, I, I don't go like, she could have just seen them in two years because I don't believe that's true either. I really don't. I, I for her, you know, like uh, she was already fucking very mentally ill is my. Belief. Oh, like you mean like she couldn't stop from offended. Like she would never get out because she couldn't stop. Yeah, that's that that set her off down a path that she would have never been able to get oh, off yeah. of without proper no. not being put in segregation anyway. You know what I mean? Like if they no. could have given her better uh, help in prison, maybe those two years could have been used and then gotten out. But the way it's set up for her in her case specifically, I don't think she ever would have got out. Even if she didn't do the first, she would have done something. Something would have happened eventually, yeah. right? No, her yeah. daughter's not a teenager. She'd be like ten or twelve or something, right? No. Or 20. She'd be in her 20s. She's an adult. You know, and it's really tragic because you're right. She won't change. Like, it's not. She needs help and they'll never help her. It won't even help her, Richard. I'm telling you, there's there's it's once it's ingrained in your in your belief system that this is who you are and this is all you're good for, then it's over. It's really over. It's a gloomy way to end it. But it it, she's your age, man. You turned it around. She won't. You did, though. I'm just saying she could. I was on the street. You're not on the street right now. She's your age. What year are you born in? 75. She's 79. She's four years younger than you. She still has a chance to, to, to do mushrooms and get the, the eye go like this. And then she's fucking snap thing snaps. And she's uh, she's she's giving people microdoses for free in the park. Who knows? But she has to get out of jail. Yeah. And she's up for parole. I. I'm just saying, like, I don't think I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm just saying, like, I hope the best for her. And I hope she reconnects with her daughter. And I hope uh, someone comes along and gives her what she needs, whether it's mushrooms, acid, or just maybe a good old fashioned. You're not as bad as everyone makes you out to be. And it was good for me. I won't even lie. I, I, I lot of, learned a lot about myself being in there. That's fucked up to say, but I did. I learned a lot more in jail than I would have on the street right? most people can't bear to spend that long with themselves it's different when you're forced to <laughs> yep <laughs> it's a great life it's a great life lesson sometimes we all need it yeah, yeah. i'll pass 
Yep, yep. <laughs> and I don't want to go back. Yeah, just keep going. <laughs> I'm good. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Head on over to our Facebook and Instagram to join in on the conversations about all things unethical. Just search Unethical Podcast. You can also find us on Patreon, where you can get access to all of our super awesome content, uncut videos of our discussions, and early release of all the episodes. We are adding fun stuff all the time, so you should definitely come and check it out. Thanks again. We appreciate all of you. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs>